Better than ever. This is going to be the last pod, probably for a week or two, um, where it won't. Where I'll have somebody else on with me. I think that I think that means I might have to go make some phone calls, see if I can get uh, one of my old ESPNU buddies to hop on here and, and and talk some ball with me for an episode or two, because Scotty is going on a big trip tomorrow, and Vito is currently in France. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we make the joke all the time yeah. about Vito being in a million places. This is the furthest he's been away, I think. Um, no, since we start, no, since not, we started not, the pod. I think it might be. I, it might be. Yeah. Anyway, I know he goes to South Africa those, every like, once in a while, but he's 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 the kind of uh, fella uh, who will just be like, "Oh, by the way, uh, here I am yeah. this week," and you won't find out unless you're tracking him on Instagram or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I was gonna say I had forgotten. Like I'd I texted you guys about it, and I remember him mentioning it at some point in like July. He had said like, "Oh yeah, I got, I got a trip planned to go to Paris this fall at some point," and. I did not remember. He didn't say anything about it. Most people like to get on a big trip and talk about it with your friends. Vito, like you said, just shows up. We, I have a friend like that named Sean who just like a, a drop of a hat. Like, I think this was in March was just like, I'm going to Cuba this weekend. Anybody want to come? Hmm. And we're like, what? You're going to Cuba? And you do that? <laughs> and apparently he could. And it's like, but you have to fill out paperwork and stuff. And we're like, hey, none of us have the money to just drop everything we're doing and go to you know cuba he does very well for himself and like shout it to him like he knock yourself out but, like none of us have the money to just drop week of go to cuba but we also have to like file with the government that we are going to cuba so uh and he's like oh it's not that hard so there's just some people who uh who, who do that um and Vito is one of them and we love him for it that's why he's our resident wild card um but you are also leaving tomorrow as we're recording this to go to italy yeah, I'll be right next door to Vito, uh, being in the motherland for two weeks. Uh, never been, so I'm very excited. My wife and, and her whole family are going. I'll report back. Of course, I'll have Scott Hansen on. Don't worry about that. We've got VPNs and data plans for uh, for uh, Europe, and so uh, no, no issues there. Uh, so I'll be tracking uh, as much football as I can while, uh, while I'm there, uh, within reason. But uh, yeah, I'm reason. really excited. Yeah. Yeah. Don't football will be here when you get back. Don't you worry. It's not it's not going anywhere. Italy is uh for you know for many people it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So uh yeah, you know, I'm pumped for you. It's gonna be a really, really fun trip. I mean you think about two you've weeks, done, though, you, football. <laughs> Three Niners one. games and two Penn State games. That's a bummer. <laughs> What's the biggest game that you're missing that you're like bummed about? Uh probably this Saturday, uh Penn State, Iowa. Oh, okay. Well, if that's the biggest game, then you're not missing anything important. And luckily for you, the Niners look fucking good. Uh, so I think you'll you'll come home to an undefeated team more than likely, uh, which will which will be a lot of fun. Though I think they play the Cowboys in the next couple of weeks. Am I wrong I about believe, that? Uh, yes, but I'll be back for that. They you'll got be back. Giants and Cardinals while I'm gone. So yeah. we're good. And no one wants to watch those two teams. We watched those two teams play yesterday, and it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a football game. Um, week two is in the books. A lot of fun. Uh, well, not entirely. We do have Monday Night Football tonight. Saints, Panthers, and Browns, Steelers. Uh, they'll be kicking off uh, 
later on this evening from the time we're recording about the recording it. So we will, uh, we'll talk about that on Thursday's pod. Um, but it was a really, really fun weekend of football. Uh, we had some crazy drama in the uh, afternoon games. One of the worst bad beats you'll see. Um, yeah, sorry the, about it. In your Niners and Rams game, uh, people who listen to Thursday's pod know that I had uh, the, the the Rams. Uh, or sorry, I had the Niners minus seven or minus eight. I believe it was uh, yeah. by the time I was filling it out as my uh, one of my locks of the week. And Sean McVay decided to kick a field goal in with five seconds left. That was absolutely meaningless um, and fucked up everyone's bets. Cause a lot of people had them at seven and a half. I had them at seven and a half uh, in a parlay that was going to win me like 70 bucks. Uh, so that sucked. Uh, but that's a sign that football's back, right? Bad beats uh, complaining about pointless field goals and, and, and dumb things that, you know, the, the Todd Gurley sliding at the three. Brian Westbrook was always a killer for that, too. Sliding Nick at the Chubb. three. Nick Chubb <laughs> sliding at the three-yard line to keep the clock running. Stuff that makes sense. The thing that sucked about that game is that it just – the only ra- logical rationale I could think of was, like, it's practice for, like – it's a game-time scenario where you have four seconds left. You call a timeout. You want to get reps, getting your kicking, you know, your field goal team out on the field, snap down. It's good practice in case you run into that situation later. But and with Brett Maher, a kicker who struggled against mightily against the 49ers in his career. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just a weird because like how many games do you know where like that that last play happens and the clock runs out and both teams run onto the field and that's just the end of it, right? I mean, that happens all the time. Your Niners couldn't couldn't make a fucking stop to keep them out of field goal range. So another reason not to like the Niners. Uh, <laughs> um, but they did look good. They did look good. That was a fun game. Uh, and we'll get into all of it. Um, we will start, though, with Thursday Night Football, the Birds, 2-0. and And, Scotty, you were giving me some shit on Thursday night. And, look, I'll say this. I was being dramatic, Okay. No question. No question about this. But I want the people, I want the people listening here, our diehard listeners, been following us for 200 plus episodes for Mm -hmm. almost three years that we've been doing, that we've been podcasting together. Scotty is so pessimistic in our group chats. And (laughs) and we always say our group chat is a safe space. Okay. It's a safe space to vent. And I've said this on the pod before. I view sports uh, like, I get a job, right? Like I try to be unbiased. Like when I talk about the Eagles, when I talk about my teams in any sport, the Sixers, Phillies, I try to take as much bias out as I possibly can. When we're talking about it on the podcast, when I'm looking at, you know, rewatching games and going through film and doing all that nerdy shit and going through the stats. But I always give myself the game, right? The 60 minutes from kickoff to the time that the zeros are off the clock, I give myself that moment to just be a fan. And so a lot of times I get a little bit dramatic. Okay. I get a little bit dramatic and Scotty, you are not having it with me on Thursday night. You were not happy that I was out here, you know, motherfucking the Eagles who looked like shit and still don't look good. Two and a half quarters. (laughs) Now look, the third quarter was the first (laughs) time, but I was motherfucking Jalen hurts. I love Jalen hurts. He's one of my favorite Philadelphia athletes in my lifetime. I, I can confidently already say that. He was fucking pissing me off. He looked like shit. And he's looked really bad to start the season. Now, do you know, however, the thing that actually calmed me down after the game 
Philadelphia sports legend Jason Kelsey. I don't know if you ha- hung on to catch uh, him and Hertz went out to the uh, Amazon desk after the game and we're talking with uh, uh, what's her face, uh, Christina. Is it Christina? Why am I blanking on the the girl who runs the desk for uh, Amazon? Um, but with her and Richard Sherman and Whitworth and Fitzpatrick and all those guys. Uh, and and Jason Kelsey made a good point. And I think hopefully for there's a lot of Eagles fans listening to this podcast. I know we've all been frustrated. Deservedly so. This team has looked sloppy. They've been making small mistakes. Um, it hasn't looked great. The good news is we've come away after two weeks with two wins. Two and up, right? We'll take that. Not apologizing for 2-0, not apologizing for the win, as ugly and uh, disjointed as that team has looked from time to time so far. Yeah. But Jason Kelsey brought up a really good point, and that is that the entire offseason, coaches on the defensive side of the ball throughout the NFL picked apart the Eagles offense, right? They studied it. They said, "We're this is going to be one of the best teams. What can we take for our offense? What can we add to our defense if we play the Eagles or when we come up to playing this team, right? They're seeing exotic defenses, right? Kelsey said it right there. He's like, we're seeing defenses that we've never seen before, and we're trying to, to, to play on the fly and adjust on the fly to shit that we just haven't seen. And it's a really good point, and it's a good reminder that in the early stages of the season – for all of your teams, defensively, offensively, like I don't believe the Cowboys defense is going to look this dominant the entire season. It could happen. No, they, I mean, they haven't faced any adversity. Exactly. I, I was thinking about that this morning, in fact, um, as I was watching the A blocks of all the uh, the big-time TV shows going, oh, the Cowboys are for real. And I'm like, they play the Jets uh, yeah, without Aaron Rodgers. With Zach so. Wilson, right. And, and Micah, Parsons, <laughs> Micah Parsons is going to be this good all year because he's yeah. unreal, but he's going to be getting more double teams. Their defenses are going to – offense are going to be playing them yeah. differently. Even the Niners. Take one injury, like – and then, so – I mean, look, and look at the Niners, right? Like Brock Purdy, again, you won the game, but that game was a lot closer than I think most Niners fans thought going into it, right? Yeah. And the offense still works well, but I thought this was one of the least impressive games out of Brock Purdy, and that's because already from week one to week two, you're going to play different teams with different skill sets, but more importantly, the book will be written on, on your teams, right? And, and where it's going to come is how do you strike that balance? And I think for the Eagles as, as a prime example – you are the returning NFC champions, right? You are just in the Super Bowl. You have a target on your back. Teams are going to come out and they're going to give you exotic defenses. They're going to give you really hard problems to try to solve on the fly. If you can get through that while also working in the communication stuff, two new coordinators, all these other things, and still come out with wins, that's a really good sign, I think, for what this team could be. But I will say... But the last thing is I want to get your thoughts on the two, Scotty. I watched through two weeks last year and thought to myself, from what I'm seeing right now, this team could make it to a Super Bowl. Like, it, and, and, it looked that good offensively. I don't feel that way right now about the Eagles, and I do still feel that way. I think there's a lot of holes on this team. There's already a ton of injuries. They need to probably make some moves um, to bring in guys. Avante Maddox is done for the year. It's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge, um, but the Eagles do have a ton of talent, and I think once they work out the kinks, I think I think they're gonna be up there as one of the best teams. But right now, like I said, two and zero, you don't apologize for that. I would agree, and and, and again, this is where I I was just like, <laughs> you know, with you you texting during the game, I was like, this this guy, come on, 
What do you want? Uh, you faced, uh, and no disrespect to to the teams that they played to to the Eagles, because I do think at the end of the day they they were probably the best team of the season last year. But there was little to no adversity up until toward the end. Um, not, I'm not saying there wasn't any. It was, it was little to none that they had You're to overcome. Absolutely right. Absolutely they were doing right. something different than everyone else, and it was a case of oh, not only are they talented. Uh, skill wise, but they're doing something different on both sides of the ball that nobody has ever seen. So they're a unicorn. And yeah. now the league is catching up, right? And this this happens year in and year out where there's something new. The Wildcat did this, the uh the the running quarterback did this. Like it it's it the league catches up and and, and figures out a way to defend uh what what is a, a unicorn of an offense and and then uh Conversely, on defense, uh, figures out a way to uh, to beat you uh, with their offensive guys. So, I think you'll be fine. And that that's where I took issue on Thursday with you, man. I was like, dude, like all oh, this is legitimate, like uh, complaining about your team, and, and that's fine. But like, it's week two. Because <laughs> at one point you were like, "This is the worst team I've ever seen." I was like, "Yeah, you're right. You're gonna go one in sixteen. The Eagles are terrible." <laughs> I don't think I said it's the worst team I've ever seen. I think I, 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 we could pull up the text, but I think I said something along <laughs> the lines of like, this team fucking sucks. Like, this is not the same team as last year. And at, that, the, at the moment, you were right. <laughs> and that is true. Like, this isn't the same team as last year. And I don't think this team sucks. I think they're going to have challenges. No. I mean, and I think what we learned is like, New England's defense is fucking good. Like, we saw them last night against yes. an electric offense. And, and hold their own. I mean, hold them to 24 points. I mean, that's hard to do. The Eagles, I know they had help on the defensive side of the ball, and they had to pick six and, and the turnover luck. But that's the thing. You had two turnovers from the Patriots. You had four turnovers for from the, the, the Vikings. I believe, other than the kick return for a touchdown, they've only scored one touchdown off of a turnover. So far in two games where they've the, the, defense, the defense has forced six. And the one that they did was the fumble that put them at the Zeke Elliott fumble that put them right at like the Patriots 25 yard line. Yeah. So they were already basically in the red zone when that turnover happened. This offense, it's going to take some some time. So the one thing that was most concerning to me was Jalen Hurts reverting back to 2021 Jalen, because that's what he's looked like. He's looked uncomfortable he's you know check down king yeah. he sl- said that why word the ball. <laughs> it, it looked a little yippish it did yeah. um and this is but this is why you love jalen right because in the third quarter he settled down and he started throwing the ball over the middle again he started hitting those quick slants to aj brown one of the biggest plays of the game to help ice it on that final drive he hits aj brown on a quick slant for a first down and th- on i think it was like third and six third and seven picks up the first down, that's the kind of shit we saw last year. And, of course, now we're seeing DeAndre Swift, who – and no disrespect to Miles Sanders. I love Bobby. He was a great eagle. But what DeAndre Swift can do as a runner behind this offensive line, and more importantly, his running style is more effective for – and that's saying something again because Miles Sanders ran for over 1,000 yards and was a really good running back and really good player for the Eagles. DeAndre Swift – hits holes hard. He's explosive. There's no hesitation. He doesn't try to make things into bigger plays than they are. Like that was a big criticism of miles Sanders. Like he would dance behind the line of scrimmage, looking for the home run Deandre Swift. Like he takes what's there. 
and he's so fast and powerful and he can still, he's still quick with his feet. He can break tackles in the open field. I mean, 176 yards on the ground, unbelievable performance from DeAndre yeah. Swift. And this is kind of what I think a lot of Eagles fans were hoping we would see. Uh, I don't think they were hoping that it would be at the expense of Kenny Gainwell being hurt and Boston Scott getting hurt in this game. Well, yeah, the Gainwell thing, you know, you make him the the bell cow back in week one and he's all of five, eight and 150 pounds soaking wet. So, like, obviously he's going to get hurt if you're if you're using him as a bell cow back. Uh, week one, I think where you had the advantage is where you can rotate guys. And DeAndre Swift gets 176 yards, and you're able to rotate in Boston Scott, and you're able to rotate in Rashad Penny. That's yeah. where the success happens, not when you have the one guy and then you're rotating guys in on third down. What I would be in, will be interested to see, because I think this is something now that they're going to get the running game going with like the 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 one and one A with DeAndre Swift being the one is how he does catching the ball out of the backfield because that was a huge strength of his in Detroit, and they haven't utilized that. Uh, they definitely didn't utilize it in week one, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of it in week two either. It was a lot of ground and pound from him. So I think to keep him healthy, you might want to to work some of that game where he's coming in as a pass catcher. Here's a fun uh, stat that I, I saw going into week one. How many running back designed screens did the Eagles run last year, all of last year? Designed? Yes. Like six, maybe? <laughs> One. The entire <laughs> season, right? They like to run the, the tight end screen with Goddard, yeah, sure. and that can be really effective. They like to or run with it Devante. with Devontae sometimes with the yeah. little bubble screens on the outside. Um, but this isn't a screen offense, right? And DeAndre Swift does have this great skill set of being able to catch the ball in the backfield, and we've seen Jalen kind of feel like he's got to dump the ball down a decent amount already this season. I'm hoping again, that's because they're seeing new defenses and that they're going to be better prepared for it moving forward. I'm curious to see how much they do use running backs in the passing game, because I honestly, Scott, I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to keep running the ball the way that they did before. And then if he's a safety valve then you need to be able to throw, you know, a little check down here because there's nothing else do that. Um, I think they're going to continue just like, hey, DeAndre, we're not going to run these screens. It's one less thing for you to worry about. All you need to do is take the ball and run really fast and try to get as many yards as you possibly can behind yeah. the five behind horses the that are in front of you. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I, it'll be interesting to see. The one thing I, I will say, too, is a, and this I actually do think is legitimate. The Eagles turnovers that they've gotten defensively, with the exception of the pick six, they really haven't been that fluky. Like, they've been Jordan Davis knocking the ball out. They've been hard hits that are forcing fumbles. Like, these are legitimate, like, created turnovers. And I think what we're seeing, and and Kirk Cousins, you know, he's been playing the league a long time. He's seen a lot of, you know, good defensive lines. This Eagles defensive line is so much better than I expected. Jordan Davis has taken a huge step forward in year number two. Jalen Carter, I don't, I don't know how much we even talked about it last week, but led all defensive tackles and pressures in week one, was a monster in week two. Uh, and then you got Hassan Reddick on the outside. You have Josh Sweat, who looks faster and more explosive than we've seen. This rotating cast of really, really talented defensive linemen. The Eagles, through the first two weeks of the season so far, Scott, if you rank the top – 10 get off times on average for defensive players five of them in the entire nfl are philadelphia eagles 
The Eagles defensive line is the best defensive line in football. And it's, I don't think it's particularly close. And that's saying a lot because like, I know Dallas has Demarcus Lawrence and, and Micah Parsons and those two guys are, are phenomenal. And that D line's really, really good. And the, and the three for the Niners. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the Niners obviously are fucking amazing too. Like that. We, we all thought that all three of those teams are going to be in that same kind of pool. I think the Eagles are slightly ahead um, because of the pass rushing ability from the interior. Now that Jordan Davis is rushing the passer and like winning pass rushes, that's fucking insane. There was a throw where on Thursday night or a play on Thursday night where Jordan Davis breaks through the middle and just runs with his hands up directly at Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins all of a sudden just can't see the field. Like, and and he just dumped it down and, and bounced it short on like a crossing route where there was barely a wide receiver in the area. And Jordan Davis just stops right in front of Kirk Cousins. They like bump bellies. And Kirk Cousins goes like flying to the ground. And not like he was trying to sell a flop or anything. Yeah. Like yeah. Jordan, it's like when you were a kid and you go up and you do like the, the chest bump with the kid that was bigger than you in high school and you would like fly back. It's like, that's just what Jordan Davis does, but against like NFL players and like professional athletes. He's right. So I, the defensive line is going to be really good. The injuries, um, Jane, no James Bradbury in this game. Uh, Slay has looked really good. I mean, anyone going up against Justin Jefferson's a tough matchup. Um, but I thought as a whole, like there was some, uh, some of that extra yardage that he picked up was in garbage time, kind of in the end of that game. So, you know, I thought Slay as a whole played really well against Justin Jefferson. Um, Buddha Baker was a late healthy scratch. I know Philly message boards right now are going crazy trying to like, Oh, come to Philly, come to Philly. How he work your magic. I'll tell you what, I'd give up a fourth round pick for Buddha Baker right now. If I'm the Eagles. And that's probably what it'll be. It'll probably be like a third or a fourth round pick. And, and even if it's a third, I, I would entertain it. Um, and the best thing about this, and we'll stop talking about the Eagles here after this, um, they're 2-0 and and they get a long 10 days, right? They get 10 days to get back in the lab. They get 10 days to get healthy. They get 10 days to, you know, kind of figure out, hey, what are our issues here, right? Sirianni's whole thing is accountability. That's like the number one thing that the Eagles preach. And one of the reasons I love him as a coach so much is they all take accountability. Um, and when they watch film, they go through on every single play and they mark off A's for accountability, basically being like, on this play, Jalen, you fucked this up. On this play, Brian Johnson, you made a bad uh, play call. Like on this, like they they do it across the board for everyone in the organization, which uh, I think is is huge. So they're gonna, uh, you know, after this, they're gonna come back, they're gonna reset. I think they're gonna be uh, a lot better moving forward. I hope so because the talents there, um, the injuries worry me. But you know, this isn't gonna be a fourteen win team like it was last year. You know, it, it's probably going to be like an 11 or 12 win team because they got a much harder schedule. But the fact that they're winning close, ugly games already shows that like the mental makeup of this team um, on the other side of the ball. I just think Minnesota is just not good. Like, I, it's not that they're bad. I just think they're they're like the commanders. They're, you know, they're I don't pick a team. Well, the commanders are two and oh. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the commanders are two and oh, but they <laughs> should have lost to Arizona and they should have lost to Denver. So, right. you know, yes, 2-0 and is 2-0, and like we said. Don't don't say But it's like it's one of those teams where it's like, yeah, a couple bounces go a different way, and the Vikings Giants, could be yeah. Vikings <laughs> could be 2-0, and right? I mean, they're just kind of one of those teams that's in the middle. They got all of the luck last year in the one-score game. So far, they're 0-2 in that. Um, and, and After look, being 11-0 last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
The one thing I'll be curious to see, and it's not something that you see happen. The last time we saw it was Jimmy G, um, a starting quarterback getting traded in the middle of the season. Uh, and I wasn't Jimmy G hurt when he got traded to the Niners because he didn't come in and start for you guys right away, right? Yeah. So um, there's been a lot of buzz, and you see it on all the ESPN shows. You know, Kirk Cousins to the Jets. I, if I'm the Jets, I'm not. I'm How not much waiting. better. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he is. A, I mean, Kirk Cousins is a huge step up from Zach Wilson. Yeah. But, yeah, but... mid season, <laughs> no training camp. I think that could be a, a tough move. But yeah, I just I don't see a bright future for Minnesota right now, um, despite the fact that you know they still have Justin Jefferson. But this defense was pretty porous. I thought the secondary played pretty well, all things considered. But I also think the Eagles didn't play great and uh, and, and didn't throw the ball exceptionally well, except for the deep balls. Um, the two deep balls to Devontae. Uh, last thing yeah. on this game, and then we'll get to Sunday and we'll start going through the Sunday games. The A.J. Brown stuff, um, I'm not bothered by it. Our friend James, who is a Cowboys fan, I want to say, uh, said, <laughs> Good said, said something along <laughs> the lines of, like, I've lost complete respect for A.J. Brown. Dude, shut the fuck up. Like, I love you, man. But you had Des Bryant, who was the biggest fucking crybaby on a sideline. And T.O. And the Eagles also had T.O. So it's like, in that game, but like, Des <laughs> Bryant, you can't say like, oh, I love so much respect. Des Bryant was the worst at that out of any. I mean, him and like Brandon Marshall come to mind. And obviously T.O. But like, Des Bryant was awful with that shit. So I'm not worried about it. Like Jalen said, like Jalen said on the desk there after the game, like A.J. Brown is literally my best friend. Like, we're going to have heated moments. Sirianni protected him, too. It was like, hey, look, we're not going to share conversations we had on the yeah. field. Like, we're just going to hold that. Yeah. It is, you know, Week and it two. is. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. <laughs> AJ Brown, he wants to make plays. And I'm not worried. He's not a diva. He's not one of those guys. And it's, that's, yeah, that's what I said. That's what he's out there getting paid for. Um, I would be pissed, too, you know, through yeah. two games. If, especially against the 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 Vikings secondary like he was he was open and and again a lot of that boils down to how well has has Jalen Hurts thrown the ball over the first two weeks not very good right Mm -hmm. um just a couple of explosive plays uh in in week two um and then the 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 third quarter where he actually played pretty efficiently so I expect that to get better I think the whole league expects that to get better so and the number the number one thing I would say too is like when they when the Eagles needed a first down to basically ice the game before DeAndre Swift broke the long the long run, AJ Brown caught the pass on third down. Like Jalen still went to him when he needed a big first yeah. down late in that game. And he made the play. He wasn't distracted or complaining. He made the play when he fucking had to. Um yeah, I thought it was a whole nothing burger. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump into Sunday's action. Uh a mixture of fun games, two overtime games, the Seahawks and Chargers, uh, the Seahawks and Lions and the Chargers and Titans. Those games went into overtime uh, and a game that I was pretty proud of because I nailed this one. Ended up being a one point game. It's amazing how often Vegas nails these Atlanta. I had Atlanta even when I did the picks. Um, they win this game by one. The Falcons are frisky, man. The Falcons are a frisky team. That defense is good. I think we saw some of the shine from Jordan Love week one kind of wear off a little bit in this game. Um, He made kind of a bonehead decision on a fourth and short, uh, gets the false start penalty that ends up kind of fucking the the (laughs) Packers over from potentially winning this game. Did you see that? He was the only person that moved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not a great (laughs) time. And fell drunkenly into his center. I don't know how you do that. 
Yeah, not a great way to start. Uh, you know, and, and look, zero points in the fourth quarter for the for the Packers. Um, the Packers are, are going to be a solid team. But what I said, uh, you know, on on Thursday's pod, I, I said I was like, look, the Packers are, you know, a, a solid team. They looked really good in week one. The Bears might be terrible, but right now there's a ton of the public who's like, well, the Packers looked amazing and Jordan Love looked amazing in week one. Let's all hammer the Packers. And that's why that line moved all the way down. I think it got down to minus two for the Packers by kickoff. Um, I was I was fading him. I was a fading the public because that's just a good betting strategy to have in general. But the Falcons showed toughness, grittiness, their first win, uh, and they continue to show it here. Two hundred and eleven rushing yards for the Falcons. One hundred and twenty-four of that comes from star rookie Bijan Robinson. Uh, I thought Desmond Ritter played pretty well. I thought this was the best yeah, game he's too. had as a pro. Um, there's still moments where you're like, I don't know if if the talent is there. But look, you know, when it came to it, he made a, a huge play to win that game uh, and, and score that touchdown in the fourth quarter. Big scramble. You're in the red zone. You need a big play. Desmond Ritter made the big play. He had a few really nice throws to Drake London. They also got robbed of a touchdown on the Mac Hollins one that got called back. I thought that was a touchdown. Um, I, yeah, because his heel was on the on the line. Come on, which folks. which is such a dumb rule. <laughs> Scott Hansen explained it, but like if yeah, he, he was did. facing right. the other way and then dragged it out of bounds, it would have been a touchdown. But because he was facing the quarterback and his heel needs to touch for that to be considered. Uh, to me, like that is such a dumb rule that I know I've asked about while watching games before and I've never really gotten a full answer because it's never come into play. And this was the first time I've seen it like come into play in a game. And I was very disappointed um, by the call because I thought that was a really nice play and, and it, broke, yeah. broken down play. He finds Matt Collins backyard football. Matt Collins made a nice catch on the ball. Um, got taken away from him, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's it was one of those where if you if we don't know what a catch is, just reward the guy for making the damn thing because that was incredible. Yeah, uh, that that play even happened. Uh, and the fact that he got his, his feet in to get his toes in at least. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if your toes are down, do you have to just walk on your tippy toes the, the entire time? Like well, when when and that's what I said. Like your heel has to hit the ground for it to not out, no longer be a catch. That's what I said while I was watching. I was like, when they broke down the replay in slow motion, I was like, when he has possession of the ball and his toes have hit the green, that's it. Catch over. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't matter if he falls out of bounds. Um, And that should be the, the end all be all of it. hundred <laughs> percent. So it's like, I, I, it's like, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was an odd play, but yeah, you know, I, I think Desmond Ritter did a really great job, not only making the big plays when he had to, but like managing the game. And that fourth down they went for on that drive, they ended up scoring, right? That What a gutsy call that was. It was like fourth and one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was fourth and one. And, and they could have kicked the field goal to go ahead right there. But if so, if you get that play, you look great. Uh, if you don't, <laughs> everybody in, in the state of Georgia is booing you. Um, and I, B. John Robinson came up with a big play yeah. on that run, bouncing outside. So, uh, but the game management from Desmond Ritter down the stretch, I think, was was the biggest takeaway for me on their on their offense besides Bijan. So, uh, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be frisky, and their defense is, is again. I said this in the preview. I think their defense is going to be really really good this year. Yeah, um, I want to go back because I I I'm trying to remember if I had them winning the division. I, I thought I did. Um. 
But yeah, I, I th- the defense has been really impressive. AJ Terrell is a really, really good player. Um, I do. I have them winning the division and as the fourth seed. And, and and right now, I think now look, we still haven't seen week two of the Panthers, but I think we can confidently say I, I don't think that team's a playoff team. Uh, and the Saints could very well be a playoff team. That defense looked really, really good in week one. It should be fun to see what they look like on Monday Night Football. Um, I I just was impressed as it, it it looked like a cohesive team. You know, like Arthur Smith has been has been trying to build up this team you know, for a couple of years, the quarterback situation feels like it's a little bit like unstable. Like is, is Mariota was terrible last year. The thing I'm, I'm happy and that we're seeing out of Ritter is he's not making the, the dumb mistakes that Marcus Mariota made, right? He's not forcing ball. He's not, I mean, he, look, he had an interception in this game. I know it wasn't great. Um, they took care of the football for the most part, but he's, he's following like kind of like a 2021 Jalen hurts track a little bit Tannehill ish, you know, mobile, not the strongest arm, but can make the throws that he needs to make. Uh, and now he's just learning how to see the field. And with a running game as strong as this team is between Algier and Brian Robinson and a pretty functional defense with an easy schedule, the Falcons and Bucks, I think that's where it's going to come down to uh, for this division so far. But, you know, we, we made all the jokes about, you know, New Orleans or and, and the NFC South as a whole kind of being the joke, you know, division this year. And, Right now, there are three teams that could be, you know, three and oh. If the Saints win tonight, you got three, three and oh teams in the NFC South, and that's a good way to start the season. Um, the Packers were banged up not having a uh, Aaron Jones with this Matt LaFleur offense, right? No longer having Aaron Rodgers, but they had to kind of mesh schemes to keep Rodgers happy. We're gonna see what Matt LaFleur wanted, you know, wanted this team to look like when he took the job, which is they want to run the ball. Right. They want to run the ball. They want to work off a of play action. They want to make easy throws for Jordan Love to be able to go out there and make it. And look, he still threw three touchdowns in this game, only 151 mm-hmm. yards, uh, 14 to 25. As a whole, I mean, they only played 46 snaps of offense. Like 46 yeah. snaps of offense is not a lot in an NFL game. Uh, and so you want to see the Packers defense get off the field quicker. You want to see more opportunities for Jordan Love to go out there and make throws. Um, but a costly mistake from a young player who's still trying to prove himself, you know, that ultimately was the difference when the Packers winning this game and losing it. But I think these two teams are very similar. I think they line up uh, almost identical in terms of where they stand within the uh, the conference and their divisions right now. Yeah, uh, any, for sure. Yeah. And, Go ahead. No, I was going to say on, on the Packers side, I wouldn't get too, uh, too down in the dumps. There was just a, they just executed the Falcons executed better this week. Their offense and defensive lines are both top 10 in the league this year. I'm really impressed with uh, with their offensive line. David Bakhtiari is the highest graded left tackle in the league this year so far yeah. uh, by every by every measurable statistic. So uh wouldn't be uh wouldn't be say imagine if he were uh had signed with New York and were blocking for Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh but could yeah, have been? I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too down. I mean, uh if uh if you're a Packers fan, Jeff Martz, uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I I think they're 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 going to be just fine. They just need, and you you said it too. Like the the difference of Aaron Jones being in there and what he's able to do when you make AJ Dillon the uh, the the single back like yeah. in your in your rotation, like that made a difference, right? Because Aaron Jones' ability to uh, to get into the, involved in the passing game, as you saw in Week One, really uh, really opens up the field for for uh, for Jordan Love. So uh, he gets back and healthy. Uh, I think they'll be just fine. 
And, and think about the guys he's thrown to here too, with no Christian Watson back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Dontavian oh, Wicks. Who's who? Yeah, yeah. Dontavian Wicks, <laughs> Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs. You know, we saw some flashes, a rookie tight end and Luke Musgrave. I mean, you know, he's not throwing to the Bengals wide receivers. He's not throwing to the Eagles wide receivers here. You know, it's 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 a young team across the board. And I think I, I really do feel like that nine and eight range is very, you know, realistic for the Packers. I mean, sure. they have some tough games coming up, but, you know, I, could they find a way to sneak into the playoffs? Probably not. But I mean, look, it's still early. I think they're right there for that seven. You know, <laughs> I think they could be. Yeah, because I think that seven seed is going to be up for grabs for one of those teams that's right around eight to ten wins. Um, and I think the Packers have a chance to do it. Uh, All right, let's go. Bills, Raiders, Josh Allen gets back on track. Uh, This was one of my locks of the week. Was it one of yours too, Scotty? Uh, No, it was not. No, no. I I had had Buffalo minus nine as one of my locks of the week because the Bills are a really good football team, right? And it was only going to be a matter of time uh, until we saw it. Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen throwing his body over, trying to throw his body over Mar- uh, Marcus Steps, who, who caught him abruptly. Uh, the thing that I'm I'm really excited about this Bills team, again, I know week one didn't look good. They were playing a really tough defense. They looked discombobulated. Uh, the one thing I'm really excited for for this Bills team is it looks like they've found a bit of a running game, which is something that we just haven't seen with Josh Allen there with the Bills, right? I think Damian Harris, Latavius Murray going in with two scores, uh, James Cook, of course, the other two running backs score a touchdown. James Cook doesn't, which is uh, bullshit. But James Cook looks looks if you good. Have him in fantasy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't stoked on that in our league. Um, <laughs> but this running attack looks balanced. They they're doing a true you know stable of running backs kind of formula here. And this was also a classic. Gabe Davis scores two touchdown, puts up a million fantasy points, right? Because he's and then he won't score a touchdown for like six weeks. Yeah, it'll be the first game. off the waiver wire, and then yeah, exactly. <laughs> he'll average five points for the next six weeks. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they're running a lot of like twenty-two personnel, a lot of twelve personnel, where they're putting that, Kincaid yeah. and Dal- and uh, Dawson Knox out at the same time, which I think makes it really fun to kind of watch. Uh, you know, the way this offense is is just operating slightly different. They're running the ball more. They're still taking their deep shots. They're not forcing Josh Allen to throw the ball 50 times for them to win big games. The offensive line looks really, really good. Uh, And the defense I thought was impressive here. The defense, like, this is kind of what you expected. But, I mean, a a basically flawless performance from Josh Allen, 31 to 37 for 275 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, 123 yards on the ground for James Cook, Damian Harris, uh, 33, Latavius Murray, 22. yeah, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, Kincaid, five catches for 43 yards. Uh, Khalil Shakir scores a touchdown. They got some nice pieces here, and this is definitely the version of the Bills we expected to see, uh, you know, week one. Yeah, and again, it's it's an opponent that we know they should beat. It's going to be interesting, you know, in, when they have to play Miami, when they have to play Jacksonville, uh, Cincinnati, teams like that, Kansas City, Dallas as well. Uh, even the Chargers uh, on offense, at least, if they get into these games where it's close, um, or they're they're going to have to to make big plays, like we saw in Week One with them being behind of the Jets, I'd be interested to see how much that changes. I think Josh Allen played well because he didn't have to put himself in those positions to make those big plays or the the hero play, um, and, and so it just was a non-factor this week against an inferior opponent in the uh, in the Raiders. But uh, 
that that's what I'd look for going forward. But I do love some of the things they're doing on offense with the two running backs when they're running 12 personnel with the two tight ends that affords you a lot of, of open space um, either for Stefan Diggs over the middle or any of your, your receivers and both tight ends had a pretty good day too. So um, it, it, it affords you a lot of, of ability to, to do that and not have to force things to Stefan Diggs uh, or, or take, pull the ball down and make the the 13 yard run on a third and uh third and 12 to get it. Um, uh, you know, so, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see that moving forward, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a well-executed game by them. Yeah. Defensively, Matt Milano, the interception he had, oh, uh, that was sick. was unreal over the, over the <laughs> back over foul. Top of Jeff's yeah, I was, yeah. I was waiting for the whistle, you know, like we were playing, uh, in, in, in basketball, this is going over, over the top, over the back. Um, unbelievable play by Matt Milano. Two really nice interceptions through two weeks for Matt Milano. Uh, one of the best in the league uh, at his position. Really good in coverage, and he's he's making a big difference in that team. Defensive line looked really good. Uh, I was impressed with the run defense in this game. You know, you think about the teams you're going to have to run through. Uh, you know, in the AFC, you don't necessarily jump to the thinking of like running the ball. But come playoff time, like the Chiefs in the playoffs. Isaiah Pacheco becomes like one of the most important people on the team, right? Uh, he was in their run last year. Clyde Edwards, he a couple of years ago, uh, Joe Mixon, when the Bengals went right, same thing. When you, if you played the Ravens, you're going to deal with the same thing. A lot of running, being able to stop the run, let your secondary do what they do. Uh, I know it's not a great recipe sometimes when like, if you're really, really good at stopping the run and you're playing Kansas city and, and you're weak in the secondary, like that could come back to bite you a little bit. Um, but after a really bad run defensive performance in week one against the Jets, I was really impressed um, with what they did here. Josh Jacobs, negative two yards uh, yeah. for Josh Jacobs. But, not going to get the job done um, for the Raiders there. But, yeah, I mean, if you can yeah, stop the I'd run be, come playoff time, like that's a huge difference in what we're seeing out of this Buffalo team. I think so, too. I'd be more worried against who they're going to have to play during the course of the year and in the playoffs. They didn't get home at all. And I know it's week two. They didn't get home at all on what is a relatively mediocre to bad offensive line. Zero sacks for the for the Bills defensive line. That has to get better. Yeah, it does. Especially when you're paying, you know, old Von Miller for, you know, how much money they gave him sixty million dollars or whatever for, you know, old Von and you Miller. Got to playmakers come in there. there too, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Like this, like you have skilled position guys, you invest in that position. They need to start developing for them. They need to start, you know, proving, um, you know, their ability. Now I'm, I'm trying to pull up defensive here, uh, pass rush, the bills 68th, sorry. Uh, the bills got a 61 grade on their pass rush. And that is good for, uh, scrolling, 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 uh, 24th in the league in terms of pass rush. So you have these guys, you would expect them to be better at rushing the passer uh, than we've seen. Uh, I think there's a chance we get that. Now, look, I will say this. When you play Jimmy G, he gets the ball out so quick, right? It's yeah, He's a hard exactly. quarterback to sack. Like he doesn't, Jimmy G doesn't take hits. You saw that, right? You saw that firsthand. He gets the ball out quick. It's hard to kind of fault him, you know, a, a team for not come getting sacks, but um, you're right. They need to create pressures. They need to make the opposite quarterback feel uncomfortable. Um, but if the offense is working the way that they did today uh, against the Raiders or on Sunday, I should say, I, I think they're going to be a, a really, really solid team across the board, um, which is what we expected. Right? We expected them to look more like what we saw on Sunday than what we did in week one. 
Uh, yeah, all right. For sure. AFC North battle Ravens top the Bengals. Joe Burrow re-aggravating that calf strain. Um, this is kind of what the Bengals have been. Uh, I believe in Joe Burrow's career, he's only won uh, out of the, if, if you take the first two games throughout Joe Burrow's career, every season, add them up. He's only won once in the first two weeks throughout his career. The Bengals are a slow starting team. Uh, I don't can't say I'm like loving what I see out of anything there. It feels like Joe Burrow's slow. It feels like he's a little banged up. Obviously he re-aggravates that calf injury. Um, the defense for them did not look good in week one, but that was that super rainy game against the Browns. I actually thought they played okay against the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens are a really good offense and Lamar is really hard. And I felt like they did a good job of containing him as a whole. Um, and the Ravens are also in a process right now where they have a new offense coordinator. They're running a new system. They got new guys in there, you know, other than Rashad Bateman, like, and, and Mark Andrews, that whole offense feels different. Like obviously you got old faithful Gus, Gus Edwards there. Who's now going to be your, your number one running back with JK Dobbins, you know, being done for the season. Um, but I, I, I will say this. I like what I'm seeing out of the Ravens offense. I like seeing Lamar kind of work through his progressions in the pocket a little bit, use his legs when he needs to, right? Protect himself a little bit more, use his arm as much of a weapon. And he feathered out a couple of really, really nice throws in this game. The touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar was a spectacular throw, back shoulder over the top of the defender. Aguilar making a really, really nice adjustment and making a huge catch there. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. banged up in this game. Ankle injury, uh, he's kind of being held at now. The the reports say that the Ravens are very optimistic with it. Uh, either way, Zay Flowers is probably the best rookie wide receiver we've seen. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba had a touchdown. We'll talk about him uh, in, in the next game. Uh, I, I was impressed. I thought as a whole, I thought, I thought the Ravens looked good. I think the Bengals looked better this week than they did last week, but they still have a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a, a tough road when you have to play uh, those two defenses, especially the way they looked in, uh, in week one um, against Cleveland, then running into, into Baltimore's defense. Um, I do think, and I said this during our, our, you know, divisional previews that uh, this, this would be a tough sled for, for Cincinnati. When I picked, uh, when I picked the, the playoff bracket, I thought this series would be one that, uh, that, kind of uh it, it, like a, a a ball bounces uh one way uh for Baltimore they they just play outplay them in in one of the two games maybe both that um uh that this is what swings the division and i think uh Baltimore went out and proved that uh at least this week now they're going to get them again uh the Bengals again and it'll be at home so even better uh to steal that one on the road uh, but you're right, man. It was the possession game for uh, for Baltimore. Uh, they had 44, uh, 33 minutes of possession uh, to uh, the Bengals 26. And you know, with the way their offense is looking and the way their defense is playing, if you can keep, I mean, that's the recipe: keep the ball out of out of Joe Burrow's hands. Because like they looked better down the stretch, like in the late third and, and and fourth quarter, the Bengals started coming back, and it was like, oh yeah, this is what this looks like: Jamar Chase on quick outs. Uh, T Higgins going up and getting the ball twice in the end zone. Uh, the second one was a phenomenal catch, uh, but it looked more like what we're used to with them on offense. So uh, it took what the better part of seven quarters, but like uh, they, they looked better on offense. And I think on defense, they're going to have to find a way to get off the field and get the, get the ball back to Joe Burrow, because that's been the success uh, of that team. Right. So uh, we'll see. I do like what the, the Ravens are putting together though. Um, 
I think Lamar Jackson, like for people overstate like how how much different it looks because they actually have receivers, but I don't think it's really all that overstated. Like being able to have uh, a guy like Zay Flowers who can do all of it, being able to have OBJ as an outlet, which was who he went to, I think for the first like seven straight passes was to, to yeah. targeting uh, OBJ. Um, it makes a difference. And then Mark Andrews being on the field makes a, an, an even bigger difference. So I think they're in on a, on a good trajectory. Um, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward uh, with, uh, with Baltimore. Yeah. I like, I like Baltimore a lot. I like what I'm seeing. This is what I expected to see out of Baltimore, which was, it's going to be a little clunky. It's going to take a little bit of time, but as a whole, it's still going to be effective. It's going to be a more effective version of this offense. That's what it looked against Houston. That's what it looked like against Cincinnati with a tough test. I mean, that Cincinnati defense, I know they lost both their safeties. Obviously like that is a huge loss, but that defense is still really good. And even without J.K. Yeah. Dobbins and even with Odell Beckham Jr. missing the second half of this game, I thought as a whole Baltimore looked really good. Like Zay Flowers is – Zay Flowers so far through two games has consistently been what we thought Marquise Brown was with them, right? Because Marquise Brown would show these flashes of like being a real difference maker when we would see this, the Baltimore Ravens look like a really, really high-level team. You would see these flashes, but there was never the consistency. So far through two games, Zay Flowers feels a lot more reliable – catching the ball, making explosive plays, being a difference maker than, you know, what we saw to Marquise Brown there for a few years. And I, I think Zay Flowers is a huge addition. Rashad Bateman broke off a huge run, a catch and run in this game. Mark Andrews obviously continuing to do his thing. The offensive line, the, the thing is, too, is it's like everyone talked about, well, the defense is all this injuries already. The defense doesn't look that good. I thought the defense looked pretty damn good. Rock mm-hmm. looks really damn good playing cornerback for this team. Uh, the edge rushers, they're not killing it in terms of pass rush. Again, they're kind of down near like where um, Buffalo was. But as a whole, like they got an 80 in terms of their defensive rating. That's pretty damn good for PFF, right? Uh, their coverage grade is really, really high. Their run defense is really, really high. And that's having Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith in the middle of that defense. Uh, so they're going to be a tough team to run the ball against. If you're going to beat Baltimore, I think it's going to be through the air. But, you know, in, until they get Marshawn Lattimore and um, – or not Marshawn Lattimore. Who's the – oh, I'm blanking. Who's the cornerback who's hurt um, for Baltimore? Um, we'll look it up. We'll get stats and info on it. But until they're fully healthy in that secondary, they're still playing really, really solid all-around football on the defensive side. And this offense is going to continue putting up points. I think Baltimore is going to be this team that – I don't want to say fly under the radar because it's you have Lamar, but I think – I don't think people are going to be talking about Baltimore as a legitimate Super Bowl contender for at least – four or five weeks. And then if they end up being five and oh, six and oh, they're going to be one of the most talked about teams in the NFL. And then we'll see what the rest of the season looks, but getting a win this early in the season, that's going to matter in terms of who wins your division and what could matter between a potential one seed or, you know, a two seed in the playoffs versus a wild card spot. This is a big win for Baltimore. Uh, All right. The first of our two overtime games, Seahawks and lions. Once again, this team just thrillers, uh, over and over again, 37-31, not as high scoring as the last couple of years, but still a high scoring game. I am very impressed with the Seahawks for this win. The Seahawks season with all the injuries already could have sl- like already felt like it was slipping away. And for them to come back in the second half, the way that they did 24 points in the second half, forcing into overtime and then Tyler Lockett scoring the game winning touchdown in OT. 
this was a huge win for them. This, the Lions, like, coming off of a huge win, week one, Thursday night game, you beat the Chiefs in their place. I was expecting maybe a little bit of a letdown game here for, for the Lions, uh, but instead, the Lions, like, they played really, really well. Um, there was the one costly turnover from Jared Goff, the first interception he's thrown since, I think it was like, he he, he was third all time for the longest streak. Basically, he needed mm-hmm. 40 more passes without an interception, and he would have had the all-time record uh, set by Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago for uh, consecutive throws without an interception. Unfortunately for the Lions and Jared Goff, that one mistake ended up resulting in a pick six and ended up completely flipping this game around. Uh, I thought the Lions looked like the better team. Uh, I thought the offensive line after Big V got hurt looked like it started to struggle a little bit. These two teams are going to be in it. I, I think these are two playoff teams. I really do. And the Seahawks, obviously, like getting support on the offensive line. You lose Abraham Lucas. Like that's a huge loss for them for the season week one. Um, but you get Charles Cross back hopefully next week to do that with two backup tackles and go in to Detroit, which was buzzing. I mean, Detroit, I don't know if you could – I felt at least like watching on Red Zone, I felt like that stadium was buzzing the entire game. Um, and shout-out for the Seahawks because that's a really tough win. It's a tough place to play. Uh, their defense made the plays that they needed to. The offense was was good enough. Kenneth Walker the third looks really, really good. And I know there was a lot of like Zach Charbonnet is going to be the they're going to split carries. It's like, no, this is Kenneth Walker's team. Like Kenneth Walker is going to be the starting running back for this team all season. And uh, as long as he stays healthy and they were able to run the ball, DK gets a little banged up. He came back in this game. Tyler Lockett. I mean, when is this guy going to stop making big plays, man? I mean, he's, he's uh, yeah. Unbelievable. He, he's really, really is one of the most underrated players in the NFL over the last 10 years. I mean, Tyler Lockett is a stud uh, and is continuing to make plays and the Seahawks get a huge win when they need one. Yeah. Uh, still not thrilled with, uh, with their ability to stop the run, which uh, <clears throat> was my big question mark for the Seahawks this season. Uh, David Montgomery, 15 carries, 16 carries, 67 yards and the touchdown on the ground. He's a little banged up. So we'll see on offense, what that looks like for, uh, for Detroit, uh, because at the end of the day, they're going to have to run the ball to open stuff up for Jared Goff. That's been the success that Jared Goff has seen over the last two years. Um, so we'll see if Jameer Gibbs gets more involved. Um, obviously he will, if David Montgomery misses extended time. Um, but I'm, I'm really thrilled with the, the receiving core, um, for Detroit. Amon Ra put up a super quiet six yard hundred or six catch hundred and two yard game. Josh yeah. Reynolds has two touchdowns. Uh, Sam Laporta looked great. Khalif Raymond came in. He's their like their three, their slot guy. He had a touchdown as well um, on a on a on a big play. So um, I, I like where this offense is going. Obviously, if the the health of the offensive line is going to be uh, an issue, but uh, you know the Seahawks just made plays when they had to make them, and that that interception uh, on defense was the biggest of them, uh, I think. But uh, for as as off as Gino looked, he was still pretty efficient. 32 of 41, 328 yards. Um, and, and, you know, he, he was, he was a big part of that making those plays. So um, I don't know. I think Seattle in the same way that, uh, and I think they're a little better build of a team, but I think they're going to be frisky as well. Uh, like we talked about the Falcons. So um, I do, I think at the end of the day, they're a playoff team, but I have much more confidence right now in Detroit still than I do with uh with Seattle. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, and I think more of that has to do with the injuries for Seattle. I think these two teams yeah. are both pretty evenly matched. You know, I think if Seattle was in the NFC North, I think they'd be just as, you know, good. Like if these two teams switch spots, sure. I don't think Detroit is better than San Francisco. So I think Detroit would be more than likely a, you know, like a wild card team. I think the Seahawks are going to be a wild card team. I think there's too much talent there. I think the, the impressive thing here is that Geno is still looking good. Right. Like we we talked about a lot of stuff going into it. Like, can Gino replicate it? In week one, there were some questions like, was it a flash in the pan for Gino? Settling in here, 32 of 41, 328 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's exactly what you want out of Gino Smith, right? You want decisive decision making, delivering the ball where it needs to be, using DK, using Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant sneakily turning into like a really reliable pass catcher. They still have Will Disley, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba now. You know, he missed so much of training camp with the injury. The fact that he's back and looks like he's starting to find himself uh, just two games into his career. I really like what Seattle can do offensively. Defensively, the secondary is going to be good. But Jared Goff still lit him up for 323 yards, you know. Now, ultimately, did they make the play that they needed to in the moment? They absolutely did. There's going to be games where that happens. And this could just be a thing with when these two teams play, like weird shit happens, right? Like there's there's stuff like that that happens all the time. Um, as a whole, I thought Seattle showed a lot of resolve because going down 2 nothing, losing your right tackle for the season, your left tackle's banged up. If you go down 0-2 to start the season, that's a slippery slope, right? But instead, you're 1-1. You played a really, really good team that just beat Kansas City. You can tell yourself, we can hang with anybody. Right. And I think that's yeah. that's the mindset here. And that's that's like a Pete Carroll thing, too. Like a good head coach keeps their team in it when it seems like the stuff's sliding away. Seattle pulls off the win. I don't feel any worse about Detroit after this game. I, I still think no. the pass rush is really good. I think they found something in Josh Reynolds. I mean, he's got three touchdowns on the season already. Uh, he's been a guy that's kind of bounced around the league for the last four or five years. And now it seems like, hey, you're the number two. He's getting all the regular season reps. They still are going to add Jameson Williams in a few weeks, which I think is going to add another element. And check out some of the passing grading numbers for Jared Goff. Right now, Jared Goff is third in the league in uh, yards per attempt uh, behind Tua and Derek Carr. Derek Carr obviously hasn't played his second game yet this year, so that number could drop. There's a very likelihood that yards per attempt, Jared Goff, he's not just managing the game. The QB manager tag needs to be taken off of Jared Goff. He is delivering the ball. He is pushing the ball downfield. He is finding the right guy, making the right decisions. Does he have the the Matt Stafford and Justin Herbert howitzer of an arm? He's going to make all these crazy throws like Mahomes or Josh Allen. No, but he can push the ball down the field. He doesn't turn the ball over. He makes the right decision. And right now he's leading one of the best offenses in the NFL with one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Jared Goff right now, top five in QB rating, top five or top three in yards per attempt. Um, and I believe he's top five in overall offensive rating out, out of quarterbacks so far to start the season. Jared Goff is coming to play this year. And I know last year it was a lot of, oh, well, it's the system, just like they always said when he was in, in Los Angeles. Let's put some respect on the kid's name, man. Like, he's out here balling. Like, he, he really is. He's out here balling his ass off when so many people thought he was just going to be a throwaway guy. You know, he was cap filler in the Matthew tra- in the Matthew Stafford trade. This is now year number three with Jared Goff, and he looks pretty damn good doing it with a really yeah. good wide receiver. But again, it's like he's doing it with Monra, who's a legit number one, top 10 wide receiver in the NFL, and Josh Reynolds. 
You know, he's not, again, another guy. He's not throwing to Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown or T. Higgins and Jamar Chase or, you know, or, or Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. He's not throwing to those guys. He's got one stud, and the rest of it, he's doing it through this offense. Uh, and and obviously, yeah, I mean, Jameer Gibbs could be good. But Jameer Gibbs, like, with the ball in his hand has been fun to watch, but he's not putting up any crazy numbers so far. And David Montgomery's banged up, so they're going to continue to rely on Jared Goff. And I just – a little, little bit of a Jared Goff appreciation moment because I think he deserves that. I think he's played really, really yeah. good football. Totally agree. And what a dumb argument. It's the system. Yeah, great. And he's in the right system. Congrats. Like, mm-hmm. what a stupid argument. Like, his yeah, system, his system got him to a right Super Bowl. His I, I don't know what to, to tell Bowl. you, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, and it's, and it's not even as much of the system as, like, a Brock Purdy thing. But, look, if Brock Purdy and the Niners make it to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's the system. It's like, look. There's a system in place, but CJ Beathard ran that system, right? CJ Beathard isn't playing as well as Brock, you know, didn't play as well as Brock Purdy. Same thing with Nick Mullins, right? There's <laughs> going to always be these guys. Oh, it's the yeah, system. For sure. You still got to throw the damn ball. You still got to make the right decisions in the system. And yeah. And yeah hey, so just you, shout out to Jared Goff. Did you see the end of, uh, or how the game ended on that overtime uh, touchdown for, for Seattle? I, mm. I, I was looking at the replay and they pointed this out uh, a few times over the, over the, um, on the highlights on TV. Did that look like a hold to you that, that missed holding call on Aiden Hutchinson there on the, on the scramble by uh, oh, oh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, holding, this is one of the things I always say about holding both offensive and defensive. You can call it on every single play if you want. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm That's a fan of, going. right. There was a, <laughs> there was the no call in that game. There was the no call in the, the commanders Broncos game. And there was the call in the Super Bowl against James Bradbury, right? right? Like it's sometimes they'll call it in those moments. Sometimes they won't like you. We all want there to be more consistency. We all want to, to feel like it's going to be an even playing field and that we're not going to get fucked over by a, a call and that you let the play on the field happen as it does. That's just not the nature of football, right? That's just not how it works at any given moment. We're going to see opportunities, you know, slip away for refs who, who are either going to make the call or don't make the call. And, um, I'm typically a fan of like, let them play unless it's egregious. I wouldn't have called either of the two no calls, the Aiden Hutchinson, the one on Aiden Hutchinson or the one in the commanders Broncos game. I wouldn't say either one of those was egregious, but also if they had thrown the flag on those two plays, I would have, I would have said, yeah, no, I get it. I don't think either of them ticky tacky. I don't think it would have been ticky tacky to call either one of them. Um, but, you know, sometimes they call it, sometimes they don't. And that's that's the letter of the law. And you just kind of got to describe by whatever the subjective decisions by the officials are. Sometimes they miss stuff. Um, I wish I wish it was consistent enough that it didn't matter. Yeah. But they really holding is you, tough. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah, that's all that. That's the NFL money. Forgot to tell everybody. Yes, yeah, NFL sponsored pod. <laughs> I was on the phone with Raj last night. He was saying, hey, go easy on the, the officials. All right. Um, all right. The other overtime game, we had chargers Titans chargers are, are kind of in that position. I was just talking about with the Seahawks where Oh, and two, two tough losses. I mean, look, you, you played a really good team in Miami. You probably should have won that game. Now you play against Tennessee. You definitely should have won this game. Uh, the Titans just don't die. They're the undertaker of the NFL. They just do not die. No matter what you do, Mike Rabel. I mean, you said it's, it's classic. Titans three point underdog <laughs> hammer it, you know, like that any taxes and Titans covering three. That's that's yeah, that's what they do, man. <laughs> Death taxes and the Titans covering three. I mean, they just they find ways to win games. Um, Tannehill did his job. He made two really really big throws when they needed it. Derrick Henry, 
yeah, Derrick Henry looked good, continues to look like Derrick Henry. Uh, and the defense I thought was really impressive. I thought the Chargers looked really poorly coached. Um, it was a lot of small mistakes. Like, this is not a game the Chargers should lose. Uh, I thought Justin Herbert definitely wrinkling out some some stuff with this new offense. Um, just dumb penalties. I mean, J.C. Jackson with really, really dumb penalties. Again, yeah. um, it's tough, right? I mean, Nick Bo- uh, Joey Bosa looked better in this game. Khalil Mack looked better. I thought the defensive line as a whole played better for the Chargers. I thought the secondary was okay. Derwin James, you know, we always talk about him being one of our favorite players to watch. But what's tough, and, and we saw the Cardinals trade away Isaiah Simmons this year for the same reason. When you have a guy who's really, you know, who's really solid and can play in a bunch of different positions and can float around, it's great to have. But if you don't use them the right way, if you don't use them like the Rams used to use Jalen Ramsey when they could throw him around or, or the Chiefs used to use Tyron Matthew, he ends up being a negative at not a negative asset, but you're not utilizing the skill set that the guy has. And it feels like he's kind of a no man's land. It feels like the Chargers are in no man's land. And look, if they don't rattle off a couple wins here and obviously we know the Chargers play a tough schedule. The Chargers are going to be in some trouble, and I think Brandon Staley is, is heating up to be the first coach fired in the NFL this year. But it continues to be the defense. Like, mm-hmm. even it, through well, the, the offense wasn't weeks, good like, today either, though. I mean, the, the, Justin Herbert wasn't they great. Were, they, yeah, he got sacked three times, but they and they have no Austin Eckler. They didn't use uh, Joshua Kelly in the running game, like, at all. Uh, not the least of which was because that that Titans defensive line has been really good uh, against the run put through the first two games of the season. I get all that, but you still got to utilize. I mean, you still scored points on offense. You scored enough points to win a ball game for sure in the NFL against yeah. a team who I don't think is really honestly that good mm-hmm. um, in the Titans. Um, I think they're, they're okay. I think they're yeah. an eight and nine, nine and eight sort of team, but like that's a game you have to win on the road if you're the Chargers and it's the defense like Justin Herbert did everything that he could in that game. He did the same thing last week against the Dolphins defense. Everything he could offensively. We sat here last week and said, "Wow, this looks like a, a totally different offense. It looks great. It looks like they're unlocking Justin Herbert a little bit more. What the hell is wrong with him?" It's yeah. that side of the ball, man. And and I I just don't understand um how and I get like we talked about this a little bit last week too. Like, yeah, you're not you're not calling the plays on a on a play to play basis if you're Brandon Staley. You're the CEO right now. But like, if you're defensive minded, you have to put that into your program and trust that like the weapons you got on offense, the weapons that you have invested so much in, are going to get the ball the job done on that side of the ball, right? No, I, and so absolutely. For, for two straight years, for your defense to be this porous and like. Give up game. Look at the playoff game. They twenty eight nothing, and they give they give up the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I I don't understand how how that continues to be the Achilles heel. Well, and and that's that's why it really feels so much more like it was coaching because if you look at just the raw numbers, right? You hold Tannehill to two hundred and forty six yards passing, um, one touchdown, no picks. So like twenty of twenty four against Ryan Tannehill. Like that's too easy, right? Um, with five you, it, sacks, but that's what I was going to say. So, so that's what I was going to say is it's like, all right, well, if it's too easy for Tannehill, then you have to be able to generate pressure. They did. They had five sacks. Yeah. They were up his ass all, all game, 141 yards on the ground for, for Tennessee. Right? No, no, it's a good. Good day. It's not a staggering number. You're not sitting here being like, wow, 250 yards on the ground or whatever. You know, it's not like we we're talking about with the Falcons, 200 mm-hmm. plus yards on the ground. 
If you just look at those numbers, you're like, yeah, you should win this game if you're the Chargers. Like, five sacks, you hold Tannehill to 240 yards in the air, you hold him on the ground to 141. You have Justin Herbert and 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 Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the other side. Now, again, no Austin Eckler. I get that that, that hurts, but the, the way that this team was able to run the ball against Miami to then just come out and, and really struggle to run the football against Tennessee. Now, again, Tennessee's a good defensive team. But it to me, this came down to coaching, and I thought Mike Vrabel pantsed Brandon Staley. And I think that's yeah. been the overarching theme of this Chargers team in the Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley era is just the coaching's not there. And we kept we keep wanting to give Brandon Staley the benefit of the doubt. We keep wanting to say that it's going to get better. And, you know, there's all it's just not. It's just not. And the Titans were the better coach team, and that's why they came out on top. So the Chargers got to yeah. take a look in the mirror. There's too much talent on that team to be 0-2 in two games that they probably should have won both. Wasting uh, Justin Herbert. All right, up next, uh, and one of the few quarterbacks who is actually having a better start through two games than Jared Goff, as I talked about him being in the top five for all this stuff, Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 2-0. Shout out to Vito. Vito called it. Vito was all <laughs> over this. All over it from the very jump. The defense is really, really good. Baker has been really good. Mike Evans, uh, you know, we were talking about, oh, is Mike Evans going to get traded at some point this year? Nope, because they're probably going to be playing for a chance at the playoffs based off the way this team looks right now. The defensive line is fantastic. Uh, the, the running game, Rashad White, someone that like a lot of people, especially in the fantasy world, were like, I don't know, is he going to is he going to be any good? Like, who, who the hell is this guy? He's been really solid. Chris Godwin looks like he's fully healed after the ACL tear a couple of years ago. Um, Baker has been fantastic and he's continuing to get out these, these wins. They dominated the bears. Like the, they were so much better than the bears in this game that the final, it's one of those classic, the final score doesn't, you know, doesn't reflect how close this game was or how not close this game was. The bucks dominated this game on both sides of the ball and the bears are in trouble. Not to say I told you so, Justin Fields can't see a goddamn football field. He just can't. He cannot read defenses on the NFL level. I heard Big Cat say this today, and this is the same thing I said when he was coming out in the draft, and Vito and I got in our really heated argument about it, which is just like Justin Fields is when you run that Ohio State offense and you're working with, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba, and you're going up against, you know, Iowa and Minnesota and <laughs> throw it up. They'll go get yeah. I mean, it's the the separation, the, the speed, uh, how open these guys are like being open at, in college versus being open. In the NFL are two different types of open. And that's one of the things I said. And so far, the Bears aren't letting Justin Fields run. They're not running a, a QB run style of offense. They're forcing him to try to see the field and he just can't see the field. And What's... we're sitting here in a moment where the Bears might have like two top five picks in the draft. And might be looking for Drake May or Caleb Williams, you know, come April. Yeah, and it, it's it was funny watching the game too. At, at a certain point, they they called out on the broadcast. Though they have no vertical passing game. Next thing you know, it's a a twenty yard uh, post route that that DJ Moore catches. And I'm like, okay. And, and they kept running, you know, decent looking pass plays that that were getting, and that was most of his sixteen completions were in that that little window that they were showing that game, and. I was watching the rest of the game as it was as it was happening uh, through red zone, and I was going, "Well, maybe it's just the play calling. Maybe they're just like not drawing up plays where where he's able to get uh, a good look at a receiver through his progressions. Maybe it's not Justin Fields." 
And then I'm looking, I'm watching tape this morning and I'm going, wow, every play. So wide open DJ Moore over here on the left side, running an out route. And the progression is still two and a half seconds in to the second or third receiver over the middle um, from the right to left. And it's like, dude, like (laughs) you can't, this is not like college where your offensive line are all going to be drafted in the first or second round. Um, if you're that Ohio state team where all your wide receivers are going to be first rounders. Um, and you're right. Like that, I think is the difference. Um, and, and even some of the bailout runs he's done, it's just like, it's, it's not a matter of like one and two is not there. I'm going to go like that. That doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, in the NFL, and it, for it, it, for it would be matter, better like, than what they're doing right now, but they're not even yeah. letting him do that. Like, yeah, that's like that's what they're letting Anthony Richardson do, right? Which objectively yeah. might not be the right call because he's hurt, you know, and he's already banged up. But like, that's better than the alternative, right? Out of thirty-three qualified quarterbacks who've uh, basically all the ones who've played legitimate snaps through two games. His passer rating, according to PFF, is 30th out of 33, ahead of only Zach Wilson, Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young. I mean, it, it's it's terrible. I mean, yeah. he's worse than Anthony Richardson. He's worse than Josh Dobbs. He's worse than C.J. Stroud. He's worse than Sam Howell. He's worse than Daniel Jones, who's looked bad through two weeks. You know, he's he's just not seeing the field. He's not a throwing quarterback. You have to run a running style of quarterback offense. Like you have to, everything's got to be RPO. Everything has to be play action. Everything has to be you're putting Justin Fields in space to make plays while because he's amazing at throwing the ball on the run, right? Like we see the skill stuff, like we see the athlete that's in there. You have to figure out a way to let him have the ball in space if you want. And it's just 12 straight losses for the Chicago Bears. 12 straight losses. They've won two games out of their last 20. I guess 19 technically, but still, you know, Justin Fields is is just lost. He's absolutely lost. The opening drive was great. And how many times do we see the opening drive work? And you're like, oh, just go back and run the opening drive again, right? Like that's because you have a script. You you plan that out a week in advance. You know exactly the plays calls. He knows exactly where every single read is. After you get that first for past that first drive. And you're not letting him be the athlete. Like, it's dangerous because, like, look, if this guy's going to be the face of our franchise, do we want him running around and getting banged up and all that stuff? The answer is probably no. And since now we are in year number three of Justin Fields, he still can't see the field at all. You need to go up and get Caleb Williams. You're going to have two first-round draft picks. If there's a year to to take a guy in the top two at quarterback or to trade up two first round picks in the same year to go up to number one and get a guy who is going to be a, a home run, who's going to be a monster in the NFL. It's this year. And you're, if you don't do that, you shouldn't be relying on, on Justin Fields' yeah. ability to develop because it's not even like Jalen where like he came in at the end of the 2020 season uh, when they benched Carson Wentz and there were moments and it was kind of running and it wasn't great, but it was at least a little bit better. And then 2021 was like, all right, up and down. And then it kind of clicked in the second half of 2021. He looked better, right? And then he makes the big jump. There's been no progression. He looks just as lost as he did as a rookie. And they're not scheming up offenses to help him. Like, he's in the wrong fit. We thought Chicago learned their lesson on this last year, right? Like, we thought halfway through the season when they started running designed runs and letting Justin Fields just go out and try to make plays, that they might continue to do that. They decided to try to you know, f- force the, the square peg in the round hole and say, all right, 
Justin Fields, here you go. You know, you're you're going to be a pocket quarterback now. He's never going to be that. You got to let him point. be Justin Fields, which is a sick athlete, a danger with the ball in his hands, and let him make plays because he's not going to do it from the pocket. He's just not. To your point, if if you know, maybe Chicago's front office is like, great, the media wants him to throw the ball more. Fine, let him throw the fucking ball more, and then we'll see. What do they have to lose? They're going to get two first round draft pick, high first round draft picks out of it. So maybe that's yeah. the impetus. I don't know. The the funny thing to me that it, I just remembered this. Remember about a year ago, uh, around this time, a year ago, when DJ Moore was complaining about Baker Mayfield not getting in the ball and he was wide open on every play. Yeah. The same thing is in Chicago right now. And Baker Mayfield just ran a train on there on Chicago. So, yeah. Um, I'm sure they would have liked, and something tells me part of that was Matt Rule's version of uh, that offense in Carolina <laughs> sure, yeah. was probably more of an issue than what we're seeing out of uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. But again, shout out to Baker, shout out this defense, uh, Joe Tryon, an absolute freak. I don't know. I was. It's funny. I was actually sitting at a bar. I was. I was hanging with my buddy Jack, who's like a casual football fan. Um, he like Joe Tryon came back and had a sack on Fields where he perfectly timed the snap. And the get off from him was unreal. Like he literally did not get touched by the left tackle for Chicago. And even my buddy Jack was like, whoa. And I was I didn't see the play. I was like, what? He's like, go up and he's like, look at the guy on the far right of the defensive line. And I looked down. I was like, yeah, that's Joe Tyron, man. That dude, that dude's fucking fast. I mean, he was the last pick in the first round and the 2021 draft after the Bucs won the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's good. That defensive line's good. Levante David, Devin White playing really, really good football. Um, they're going to be tough, man. I'm, it's weird to say. Yeah. I didn't think I would say this after two weeks. I'm excited for when Atlanta and Tampa Bay plays. I don't know when the two of those teams square off, um, but that's going to be a fun, fun game because a, a really cool like mismatch of, of, of styles. They play week six um, in Tampa Bay. So uh, that, that'll be a fun game. And again, one that could decide that division. Uh, all right. A couple more games in the one o'clock section. Chiefs, Jags. I was really liking my Jacksonville plus three and a half bet, <clears throat> you know, through the through the first half in this game. I was more impressed out of anything out of this game with the Chiefs defense. Like obviously Chris Jones yeah. comes back, makes a big um ma- makes a really big thing. We thought this was gonna be an offensive game. We thought it was gonna be Jacksonville who looked really good week one Shoot in their up. offense yeah. and Kansas City. They get Kelsey back. We're expecting it. The Chiefs offense still looks very discombobulated. I know we all recognize the importance of Eric Bieniemy, but I think that might've been a little bit more important than we realized um, that in addition to the fact that the roster is just terrible at that wide receiver room, it really is Kelsey and a bunch of misfits. Um, Sky Moore makes a big play to kind of seal off the game at the end of that for the chiefs. Um, but the chiefs defense, I mean, look at zero, I think he seven incompletions for uh, Trevor Lawrence in the red zone. This Jags, offense looked really really bad in in the red zone and that's something they got to figure out um some good throws from trevor lawrence some really bad throws some really uncomfortable stuff i was kind of expecting them to look a little bit better uh than we've seen so far through two weeks in terms of trevor lawrence i'm not worried yet i'm not hitting the panic button obviously the chiefs are good and this ended up being a one score game right it's an eight point game but still one score game uh if i'm a jags fan coming out of this what i would say is I am really excited about my defense because I thought the Jags yeah, defense I mean, played their ass off. And I, I and I think the, the pressure is getting there. Trayvon Walker is slowly coming along, looking like the guy who should have been the number one overall pick last year, right, and was. 
Um, Josh Allen's still really, really good. The secondary for that team's playing good. I'm excited about the Jags defense because I think it's a defense that can make a huge, like if the Jags are good defensively and they can work out some of the kinks on offense, the Jags can be as good as anybody in the NFL. Um, yeah. But the Chiefs offense right now is there, there's some points for concern. There are some points for concern. I, I, if I'm a Chiefs fan walking away from this, I don't feel great. Yeah, neither do I. I like, because even, you know, in times of, of, of hardship for that offense, which is a relative term, I think, but they've been, they've are like, well, we'll find ways to make it work. No Travis Kelsey. Great. We'll, we'll do some weird stuff with Jack McKinnon in the backfield to get him 120 yards receiving um, stuff like that, that they're just not working in like the stuff you saw from Washington's offense that Eric Bianami is now, uh, is now running. So um, I don't know, man. I, th- I think that you're right. I think I said this during the preview. I think that's a bigger deal than, than people are making it out to be. Mahomes looks weirdly off again, relative um, through two weeks. But I think part of it is not having Travis on the field full time. Um, I think that's, that's a, a big security blanket um, that or just a comfort thing that, uh, that, uh, that he's not used to. So, um, we'll see. I, I I don't know. I'm and for Jacksonville um, on offense, like it was right there. And I think not having Cam Robinson on the O line doesn't help. Uh, you know, it didn't help in the run game with uh, with being able to to make a push and against the the Chiefs defensive line, uh, which the run game was relatively non-existent for the Jags compared to last week. Um, and uh, so I think that's a big factor. And then I you know, given Trevor Lawrence time. Uh, in the pocket, there were some throws that were right there. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be worried. You know, there were throws that were like a a, a tick off. Uh, two of them I, I can remember off the top of my head to uh, to Calvin Ridley. One on a wheel route that would have been a, a walk-in touchdown and then one in the end zone, um, in the back of the end zone. So I, I, just the tick off on the throws, maybe, you know, an extra an extra beat helps them uh, on the offensive yeah. line. So. I, yeah, I, I think the offensive line is a, is a big problem for Kansas City. I think they're going to go up against Buffalo. They're going to go up against Cincinnati. They're going to go up against Baltimore, Jacksonville, like these teams that are really good with really good defensive lines. I think they're going to make life really, really hard for Mahomes. Um, Mahomes has not looked like Mahomes, which is not to say that they're not going to be good, right? It's not to say that he's not going to turn around. It's fucking Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm always going to expect Patrick Mahomes to turn around and be the best quarterback in the NFL. 29 of 41 for 305 yards. I mean, he's only got 520 yards on the season so far. Uh, again, no Travis Kelsey in week one, but it's just little mistakes. Like the interception from Mahomes, I thought was a really bad pick. Uh, those are a really bad decision. And right now you don't have don't guys. Like you don't even have like Juju was not great last year, but he was reliable. Like you weren't worried about Juju dropping balls, right? Like now I- I'm curious to see how long it'll take and uh, how much trust Mahomes is going to have with that receiving room with, you know, how up and down and inconsistent they've looked through two weeks. Um, It's still Mahomes. I'm still going to bet on him to continue to be really, really good. Uh, His completion percentage this year is uh, the same as Justin Fields through two games, which isn't great, but he's still top. He's number 10 right now in terms of passing rating, according to PFF. Uh, his offensive rating, his overall offensive rating is number two behind Tua Tungavaloa uh, in terms of uh, his PFF grades. So it's not that he's not, you know, it's not like he's playing bad. I think it's just we're used to Mahomes being at a certain level. And so far this year, he just hasn't quite looked like that guy yet. Um, 
But I, I have confidence that Mahomes is going to, you know, he's he's going to be Mahomes. It's what he's going to do. Eventually, it's, it's going to go through some rough patches. They're going to figure it out. And then we're going to talk about it now. Like, oh, are the Chiefs, are the Chiefs in trouble? Is Mahomes not going to, you know, all this stuff. By the time they get to November, the Chiefs are going to be one of the best teams. Um, Jawan Taylor, yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's a problem at right tackle. And if they go up and think about the teams that the Chiefs, if they make it to the Super Bowl, that they're likely to play, right? Philly. Dallas, San Francisco. Those are three really, really good defensive lines that are going to make life really hard on Mahomes. And without him having a, you know, a really consistent pass catcher other than Travis Kelsey, you know, they're going to have to rely on the running game. And so far, that's what we've seen from Pacheco. Pacheco had a really, really good game yesterday, 70 yards for him. Um, but they're going to rely on on the running game and, and Mahomes to basically pull magic out of his ass. I think they'll get it fixed around. They're going to turn it around at some point. But, you know, Creed Humphrey, obviously a stud at center. But losing Orlando Brown, you know, losing those guys on the outside, like that's going to hurt this team. And and I think when they go up, I mean, they have to play the Eagles in the regular season. They have to play the Niners in the regular season. Like they have to play really, really good teams this year. And it's it, it, they're going to have to play well. Like they're going to have to outperform what people think um, in order for 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 them to, you know, be this continuation, try to run it back. Uh, but ultimately at one and one, it's fucking Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like I'm not going to be sweating over it yet. All right. Last game of the one o'clock windows, uh, Indy and Houston. This was the Anthony Richardson show for about a quarter and a half before he very smartly and, and credit to him reported his own concussion. Um, Went to the team after, you know, he took a hit and or he after his touchdown that he scored, fell back, hit his head against the ground when he fell, um, went out and played a couple more drives, did not feel right. The the spotters missed it and he self-reported the concussion. So shout out to him for making the correct decision. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, he is fucking electric when he is on the field. And yeah, this is, is now two games and the Colts are already getting a little worried about injury his, or injury stuff with him. But when he's on the field, they can move the ball. And I, I know they played the Texans. I know the Texans are really, really bad, but you got Anthony Richardson. You got a decent offensive line. You got a decent running game. I hope Jonathan Taylor comes back because you know, that AFC South does kind of feel a little open. I mean, Jacksonville, I still think is the heavy favorite, but Tennessee look, has looked good. And you know, Anthony Richardson is going to be a problem. It's, he's just going to be a hard guy to play because he's so athletic. He's so dynamic. It reminds me a lot of like young Cam Newton, you know, like it, it's just what are you supposed to do with this guy? He's six foot five. He's 240 pounds. He runs a four, four, 40. He can throw the ball a fucking mile. Like, what are you supposed to do with this guy? And I, he's going to learn and hopefully he stays healthy because right now that's the biggest concern with him. But even with Gardner Minshew in there, the Colts still looked all right. But you saw like they scored 28 points in the first half, three in the second half. Um, not great, Bob. No, no, it's not. But their defense has played better than uh, I think anyone probably expected this year. For sure. Uh, through through two games. I mean, their pass rush is getting off the ball uh, in, in a really effective way. DeForest Buckner, who's former 49er, uh, Sam, Samson Ebicom, also 40, former 49er going over there. Uh, EJ Speed, which is a terrific name for a pass it rusher. Is. Um, Quiddy Pay, who's who's come on, um, he was a he was a great linebacker at Michigan, edge rush kind of guy at Michigan, um, and, and he's he's looking really good too. Uh, he had a, a sack in this game, so 
I'm really impressed with how their defense and the for the for the that matter the secondary has been playing really well. Um, for the most part, I mean they give up the big plays to uh, to to wide receivers. Nico Collins had over 140 yards in this game, but um, speedy guys will do that to you. But you know this defensive line being able to to get after the quarterback and make things happen, I think is going to keep them in a lot of games, particularly in their division. Uh, so uh, I mean. If if Anthony Richardson stays healthy um, and he's able to to be out on the field, that just makes that team that much better and more balanced. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, Anthony Richardson through or just on before he got knocked out of that game. I mean, look, he was nineteen or uh, six of ten, so like completion percentage wasn't great. Um, Gardner Minshew coming in and just doing the cleanup job, nineteen of twenty three, hundred seventy one yards and a touchdown. Um, Good day, though. <laughs> it is. It, it is. Uh, but as a whole, like uh, Anthony Richardson, 14th ranked offensive quarterback. Like if you're getting that out of a rookie who is super raw, who's still making the right decisions, making plays with his legs, um, he's going to continue to be a really, really important player. And and someone who, again, the potential with him is off the charts. We've known that with him, you know, this whole time. He still doesn't know how to play quarterback. So Shane Steichen is doing what the Chicago Bears should do and should have done with Justin Fields which is, all right, we're going to run a system. We're going to teach you a system that hopefully, hopefully, you know, over time, you will start to kind of figure it out. You'll start to see things, but we're going to make that transition as easy for you as possible, give you a little bit at a time. And again, Shane Steichen did it with Jalen Hurts, who was just as raw. It was running the, the Lincoln Riley offense in college, which was so set up so easily for a quarterback. Uh, especially one who was as mobile as Jalen, where the decisions were made for you pre-snap and like you knew everything you were going. You, it's hard to do that in the NFL. The only guys who know that stuff and know exactly where they're going with the ball before the ball is snapped, and we're talking about like Hall of Famers. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about Brady. We're talking about Peyton Manning. Like we're talking about these field generals, study the game nuts. But in college, you can get away with it because you might just be more athletic. You might just have more talent around you when Oklahoma mm-hmm. plays Tulsa. You know, and, and you're just you're a better team. You have more talent on the field. Those reads and those decision make those decisions become a lot easier to make uh, because you're knowing that pre-snap. Trying to let Anthony Richardson do as much of that as he can on the NFL level by letting him get out in space is is the right way to develop him. But you have to keep him healthy. Um, yeah. And the fact that like he got this concussion after scoring a touchdown, getting tripped up, and it was kind of a freak, fluky play. I get it, but. Yeah, you need to be better. And look, the Texans, um, I'll say this, like Stroud hasn't been that bad, you know, like no. he's on a really bad team with a really, really bad offensive line. So he's, I mean, he's right now, he's been sacked 11 times through two games. That's not going to cut it. Like you need to be a little bit better than that. Like you need to give him some time, but I got to say in terms of throwing the ball and obviously we still haven't seen Bryce Young play in week two yet. CJ Stroud has looked like the best rookie quarterback, I think, um, Decision-making, too, I think. Yeah. yeah, getting the ball out, going to the right spots, not turning the ball over. I mean, 30 of 47 for 384 yards and two touchdowns, that's really good. The six sacks, that's not so good. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're trusting field, or Stroud. Like, hey, we're going to throw the ball a ton because we're going to be chasing in a lot of these games, and we're going to give you opportunities to see the field, to make mistakes, to learn things. And uh, I know I said this to you before we started recording, but Nico Collins – I think is a really damn good wide receiver. And he, out of all the rookies and all the people coming in, I don't think there was a lot of talk um, that Nico Collins was going to be like an impact guy right away. 146 yards, seven catches. Um, 
I think him and, and uh, Nakua, right, the kid from the Rams, I think they've been the two most impressive rookie wide receivers so far. Zay Flowers has looked really good too, um, but just raw numbers alone, I think Nico Collins has, has looked really, really good. So uh, it's going to be a long season for the Texans, but you're going to get a stud somewhere, probably a defensive lineman from Georgia, <laughs> you know, um, and you're going to pair him with Will Anderson. You're going to build out that defense through the draft, right? You're going to build out this team through the draft. They need help along the offensive line. I also think it's important to remember Laramie Tunsil, like when he gets back, that's going to be a big difference as well. Having one yeah. of the best left tackles in football will help CJ Stroud. Uh, but even with Laramie Tunsil, this offensive line, it's still not going to be great. And Stroud, if he can do this with the with the the shitty offensive line that he has, then I think Texans fans should be pretty excited because I think I think there's a lot to like out of CJ Stroud so far. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We got five more games we got to hit, and then we'll get you guys on your way to the rest of the week. All right, we got the afternoon slate and Sunday night football still to hit, so we'll do that now. We'll get you guys moving in just a little bit. But uh, first up, your boys, Niners. Yeah, Another good it? win. The Rams looking frisky as all hell, and the Niners still stood up to the task. Felt like it could have been a bit of a trap game for the Niners just because you come in off of a huge blowout. The Rams looked better than people expected. Not really sure what to expect in week two. Was week one a flash in the pan for the Rams? Uh, or is this what they're going to be this season? Turns out this is what they're going to be this season. They're going to be a pretty feisty and fun team to watch. Uh, and the, the Niners were ready for it. Um, Brandon Ayuk getting banged up. Uh, any word out on him? And then how are you feeling after a, a big win here in, in week two? No, he should be good. Um, for, I don't know what it was, but it looked like the first the first initial hit and he got the wind kind of knocked out of him. He might've hurt his shoulder a little bit on it. We'll see. He, uh, Kyle said he should be good to, to go after a, uh, a day off. And then uh, a, a short week, uh, even though we got this week, uh, he, he should be good to go. Debo looked great receiving the ball, uh, running the ball after the catch. Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey looked good when he was running the ball. Another big explosive play that got us set up for the touchdown that he scored. So he's so good. Uh, I'm, yeah, he's he's a game changer on the field. He really is. Um, and then the the big thing that stood out on offense was Brock Purdy didn't play his best game. Right? There were three that I remember off the top of my head, wide open deep shots that he just missed. And, and I think that's rust. Uh, I really do. I think that's just getting the the synthetic whatever he's got in his elbow, uh, getting used to that and uh, and figuring out how to uh, to put the touch on those balls. So I'm not, I'm. I'm not really not worried about that uh, uh, on offense. I think that'll be get, figure itself out because he's a good enough quarterback to to do so. Um, but uh, defensively, they played a really great game top to bottom. Uh, I think for the most part in the uh, especially in the second half and the first half, I think the the Rams did very a, a really good job of uh, of of taking what was given to them uh, on offense and just finding the, the little pockets of space against the zone where they can get Puka Nikoa out of the ball, get him out in the, in space and let him run. Uh, the dude's huge. He's like a six, four receiver who can run yeah. really quickly too on, on these short routes and get uh, yards after the catch. He was targeted 20 times. He caught 17 balls for 147 yards. So the only thing he missed was the end zone. Great game plan by the Rams and the Rams offense. That offensive line looks better. Uh, how do you d- defend that? defensive line i think was was shown by the uh uh I, i'm sorry how do you defend the niners defensive line i think was shown by the uh by the rams get the ball out quick that's what matthew stafford was doing um he had less than a, a two and a half second uh 
time to throw uh, in, in that game. So uh, then second half, they, they Niners go to, to a little bit more man on defense and that kind of helped shut down some of that, that game and help the pass rush get home a couple of times, including the end with, uh, with Fred Warner getting that big sack on fourth down to uh, uh, basically seal the game before that drive that, uh, that broke everyone's hearts with the, uh, with the Rams covering likely. Yeah. Um, but, that uh, was, that was yeah, disgusting. Man. That was just, that was, that was disgusting. Sean McVay should yeah. be put in prison for that. <laughs> that was I, that was highway I, look, robbery road at, at the end of the day I, I think they played really well uh in, in all three phases i think jake moody who had a 57 yard field goal as a rookie uh is going to be a gem uh i think um you win a a, a game in the nfl it's good you win a road game even better you win a divisional road game against your rival it's the best out without any turnovers or anything that's yeah. the uh the best outcome that you could pros- possibly have i don't care what the score is those those nfc west games in particular those are tough to win on the road uh even when uh you your home team takes over your stadium in la because we're just a better fan base than all of you uh, except maybe philadelphia so um get amongst it the niners are, are are a really good team i think they're for real and uh i'm not just saying that as a homer i think they're they played really well in, a, in what i think was a, a tough game for them to sort of figure stuff out in. yeah i would agree i i as a whole i i thought that was a really big win for the niners because the rams came out and said hey you're not you're not beating you're not punching us in the mouth like you're not yeah. going to just bully us in this game we're going to fight uh and we're going to make it fucking hard on you and they did they did a really really good job um, by the way, I know I know I said in the last segment Nico Collins was a rookie. Nick Nico Collins was drafted in 2021. I my got all my years mixed up. Um it's okay. He's a Michigan guy, they can't count either. <laughs> um, but how about this? Puka Nakua, second in the league in receiving yards right now with 266 and a staggering. I need PFF to to look this up all time. Through two games, a rookie, first two career games, Puka Nakua. 35 targets through two games. He had 20 on Sunday. He had 15 in week one. That's got to be the most for a rookie and uh, for any player in their first two games uh, to, to get 35 targets is just but a you know staggering what? number. I, I honestly don't think when Cooper Cup comes back that that drops a ton. Like I think they will be able to complement each other. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough group to defend. I mean, because you got size, yeah. speed, um, and yeah, this kid's just fucking good. And, and yeah. it, the biggest sign of, of respect is that Stafford trusts him, right? I mean, if you're throwing to him that many times, and granted, it's like he has a ton of people to throw to, um, but still, if Stafford's throwing the ball that many times to a guy through two games, uh, he trusts him, right? Uh, 266 yards through two games. Really, really impressive start to a career for Puka Nakua. Um, and Nico Collins there. The reason I brought that up is Nico Collins is fifth right now. Justin Jefferson's still leading the league in receiving. But, I mean, Puka Nakua's got more than Tyreek, Mike Evans. Uh, and he's, you know, he's still 40 Jamar, behind sure. Justin. Yeah, he's, yeah, definitely. He's still 40 behind Justin Jefferson, uh, which is a, a crazy stat. But, yeah, it's I mean. Still, I mean, that's pretty um, crazy. The, the one thing I would add that, you know, we didn't talk that I know you you said you're chalking it up to rust. I also think that's part of what Brock Purdy is going to be, right? Like the dude was drafted where he was drafted for a reason. That doesn't mean that he's not good. That doesn't mean that he's not good. It's just there are some things talent wise that maybe Brock Purdy just isn't 
that good well, at, you know, the, like the only reason I, I say that is because last year, those are throws he's hitting those deep balls. True. But, and, but and we're still talking about a small, so we're still talking about a small sample size with Agreed. Brock Birdie, right? Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, I'm not saying that it's, well, he's just not talented enough to make those throws. He is, we've seen him do it. Can he do it consistently? Right. Yeah. Because that's going to be the thing. And not to bring up like a bad memory, but like, think about the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl that you guys lost against, against Kansas city. You had the throw to Debo. It was why it was open there, and Jimmy G overthrew him. That's Emmanuel the difference Sanders. to Emmanuel Sanders, right? That yeah. is the difference. I still, I still think about that play as any fan would and should, right? Like that's the nature of it. You know, I'm gonna think of the Jalen Hurts fumble and returned back for a touchdown by the mm, Chiefs yeah, for the rest same. of my life. That's just always <laughs> going to be something that happens. And it's not to say that Brock Purdy won't be good, but I mean, for, in terms of passing grades, he was 23rd in passing in the NFL this week uh, among starting quarterbacks. He's still middle of the pack through two weeks. So it's not like he, again, he's, he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, it was definitely not as crisp as it looked against Pittsburgh, but this is when I said, not that I was low on the Niners because it's impossible to impossible to be low on them with how much talent they have on their roster. But when you look at that team and you go, all right, well, where is the balance here? Like, we just need to see more of Brock Purdy. And so far in his career, he has never lost a game that he has started and finished in his entire career. Like that, well, I guess he did technically finish the game against uh, the Eagles, but you know what I mean? Like a game where he wasn't injured. Uh, we've, we haven't seen Brock Purdy lose a game like that. And I want to see at some point when he starts to hit adversity, when the throws aren't clicking, what does he look like? And so far we just haven't yeah. had to see that. I'm, I'm guessing, and I feel pretty confident in saying that at some point this year, we are going to see that and we're going to get the answer to that question, but the sample size is still small. So is it rust? Is it the fact that he's coming off of the elbow injury or maybe he's just like a Jimmy G and he's just not going to be yeah. consistent on hitting some of those deeper throws and those big time throws that can win and lose games. It obviously yeah. didn't matter in this game, but it could matter in a game against the Eagles. It could yeah. matter in a game against the Cowboys, right? It could matter yeah. in a Super Bowl well, against the Chiefs. It could it could have mattered in this game. Um, too. Yeah. So, you know, you know, we'll, we'll, again, I think it's rust, but those, those things will work themselves out. They the will. other thing I was really impressed with too, by the way, from the 49ers, the biggest possible question mark. Uh, well, to both of them, really, the secondary played great. They had two turnovers. Uh, but the offensive line allowing only one sack to an Aaron Donald-led defensive line for the Rams. Yeah. Aaron Donald had zero tackles in this game. Zero. He was a yeah. non-factor. Yeah. It, and so for, for that offensive line, granted, uh, you know, anchored by Trent Williams, but, like, I thought McKibbins played really well at center. Um, I, I thought uh, – uh, uh, what's the other uh, rookie offensive lineman? Uh, the, the whole right side played really well. Uh, I, I think too, and, and gave Brock a lot of time to to throw the ball. Uh, well, and I think I think that'll yeah, be taking Aaron Donald out. Yeah, that yeah, was, it's huge. Was... I, and I think that's going to be one of the Achilles' heels of this Rams team is that other than Aaron Donald, there's not a whole lot of guys that scare you in terms of pass rushing. Um, we saw the right side of that Niners offensive line struggle mightily against T.J. Watt, but. Yeah. What do they look like, you know, against the lesser good team? It's nice to know that, like, even with Aaron Donald, you know, and, and a, a bunch of pass rushers that don't scare you, they still were able to, you know, like you said, give Purdy time. Uh, they didn't let the pass rush really affect the game. 
which I think is, is huge. I mean, because like you said, like being able to do that against teams with mediocre. Now, can they do that against the Cowboys? Can they do that against the Eagles? Can they well, do that against the yeah. Chiefs and Bills and these the really, Cowboys really good have, teams? The Cowboys have three guys question. like that and, and Michael Parsons who can run around and play either side and yeah. the middle. So, yeah. Yeah. That's and the, Eagle, the Eagles, the Eagles are good and deep and they have like three rotations of guys who can go in and angles. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. The Bengals have a really, really good pass rush. Like any of these really elite Washington. teams, you're going to face a really, really good pass rush. So can the Niners play like they did against the Rams and just give Brock Purdy enough time? Not because ultimately that's why Brock Purdy got knocked out of the game. Like that's a huge reason why the game went that way last year. And I would argue at least off of name alone and the talent that we've seen. Now, of course, you guys have a couple of rookies in there, so they could end up being absolute studs. And, you know, that could be a huge calling card for the, the Niners moving forward. But a huge the reason Brock Purdy got knocked out of that game was because the offensive line wasn't good enough and they went up against a really, really good pass rush. And um, yeah, they're going to have to be good, but it's encouraging to see as well as they played against Aaron Donald, no doubt. Uh, all right. The first of the super drunk games, uh, the Giants and Cardinals, the Giants blow a 20 to nothing lead at halftime. The Giants had not scored. For six quarters, they got outscored 60 to nothing through the first six quarters, only to explode for 31 points in the second half, come back and beat the Jonathan Gannon-led Arizona Cardinals and Josh Dobbs. Um, This could be the turning point in the season for the Giants, right? The one that you go back and you say, look, this was the moment they got their shit together and they've been a different team since. My guess is that they're probably somewhere in between what they looked like in the second half and what they looked like in the first half. I don't think they're going to beat this great offense. Uh, Saquon, another ankle injury. Um, yeah. Another one that they're positive on. They're optimistic. He'll, he shouldn't be too banged up. He's getting more work done and MRIs and stuff done on that. Jones played really, really well in the second half. But that was a weird game, man. And I, if you're a Giants fan, like, how do you, what do you even feel? Like, like where are you even, through two weeks, you can't feel good. No, and I don't know why you would have last year, other than the fact that you were putting W's up on the board all all season. But this is these are the kind of games that they played. It was like, uh, don't look great, don't look great. Offense has a good run, and then bails the team out and wins a one possession game. And a lot of that had to do with coaching. Uh, don't get me wrong; that's the reason why Brian Dable won Coach of the Year, I think. But like, at the end of the day, when you've got a, a superstar playmaker at running back. And a quarterback who you've decided to pay for God knows what reason, even though he's like probably above average at the end of the day, and no receiving core to speak of um, over over for sure last season, and now this year they've gotten a little production, um, especially in the second half from these guys. Paris Campbell having a good game. Rookie Jalen Hyatt had a a couple of big catches down the stretch. Uh, Darren Waller got involved. Uh, I think Darius Slayton too, but Darren Darren Waller I think needs to be one of those key guys who like gets the offense moving in the passing game. So I, I really I don't anticipate this a whole lot of this, especially with Saquon being out. If he's going to be out for a few weeks here, I don't anticipate a whole lot of difference from this New York Giants offense and on defense. Like their pass rush didn't do anything. Their secondary looked horrendous against Josh Dobbs and the two receivers that the Cardinals have. Um, and I, I sat there watching the game going, I don't know, man. I, like, am I getting fooled? Like, is New York just actually kind of bad like we saw in uh, against Dallas? Or is Arizona actually, like, 
better than we thought. <laughs> I think Arizona's defense is like frisky, you know, like if from my side, I think they're frisky. I think the pass rush has actually been pretty impressive. Um, well, they got the fire, also, Jeff. They got off the bus. They and do. Got the, they, they have they, the fire. Yeah, they took the. They yep. They got on the bus and they they went to the fire store and they bought all the fire. Check all of Jonathan Gannon's on, boxes on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, Gannon is. I mean, look. Also, but think about what Gannon did in Philly, right? As a defensive coordinator, like they had a really good pass rush, and when they played teams with bad quarterbacks, they dominated. So. Look at the history of Jonathan Gannon versus Daniel Jones. The Eagles dominated. Like, I'm not shocked to see that the, the Cardinals defense played as well as they did in the first half. I think the second half blow up is a very indicative of what this Cardinals team is and, and what their future holds and what they're going to look like. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think the Giants are somewhere in the middle. Like, I, yeah. I don't think they're as good as the team we saw in the second half. And I don't think they're as bad as the team we saw against the Cowboys and as against uh, the first half against the Cardinals. I think they're somewhere in the middle. Uh, whatever that ultimately ends up being, I, I don't know. Um, but not there's enough the talent NFC there for this team. It looks like. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Um, <laughs> now, that being said, I'm still not a big believer of the commanders. Like, I still think the Giants are the second best team in that uh, in, in that division. Um but I think the gap's probably a lot closer than, than I thought it was. So, I mean, uh, credit to the Giants for finding a way to come back. I just, if you're a cop, if you're a, a Giants fan and you're like, dude, we just gave Daniel Jones a, how much money? How much did we pay Daniel Jones? And yeah. and already the thing that keeps that offense moving is Saquon Barkley and he's hurt again. And we didn't pay him and he's hurt. It just, it doesn't fill you with a lot of optimism. I will say the second half, like you said, Jalen Hyatt looked good. Darren Waller's starting to get a little bit, uh, you know, thrown into the mix a little bit more. He's probably been in that kind of dynamic. Now, look, that first game against the Giants was so weird. I think Waller's been one of the bigger disappointments so far this season, just because I think there was a lot of hype and anticipation surrounding him. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, well, we'll but see. But he's another um, one who, like, I, it was week one. I sat down to to we were, we were getting lunch. It was week one. I was up in Philadelphia. I'm getting lunch with uh, with a bunch of other friends, uh, your brother in law included. And he goes, "Oh God, Darren Waller's questionable with a hamstring." I was like, "Darren Waller's always questionable with a hamstring. Like, what, he's perpetually <laughs> doubtful yeah. for a game. Like, all right, <laughs> when you're six six and you're built the way he's built, like hamstrings just aren't designed to move like that. Like, it's just eventually." For as fast and athletic as he is, like, yeah, the body's going to catch up to him. And it has. But look, when he's on the field and they were using him the way exactly. they used him in this game, he's going to be a really valuable player for them. And it should um, they should have used him more, frankly. I mean, down the stretch, he was yeah. starting to heat up. Yeah. And I think I think we will. I think what we saw down the stretch of that game is more like what people were hoping to see from Waller. Six catches, 76 yards. Like, I think you're pretty happy with that, all things considered. Um Isaiah Hodgins, I you know he was so quiet in that game against the Cowboys, and that whole game was just weird. Like I, I'm, I'm inclined to just kind of throw that entire game out of like my memory in terms of like, are you actually going to hold this against them? Um, but look, the second half of this game, Daniel Jones was fucking good. So you got to give credit where it's due. And there's times where where Danny Dimes looks really fucking good, and there's times where he doesn't. And right now, the Giants, either way, you're stuck with them. So figure it out. Uh, but yeah, big win. And the Cardinals, they're going to be frisky. I think they're getting ready for a wholesale, man. I, I think it's going to be straight up fire sale. I think they're going to trade off. Buda Baker was a healthy scratch in this game last minute. I know I alluded to that earlier. Um, 
they're, they're going to try to get as much assets as possible. And, and they're, they're looking towards the future. Um, I just pray that Caleb Williams and Drake may like somehow Arizona gets like the third overall pick um, because I don't want Jonathan Gannon to ruin either one of those guys. I like both of those guys and, and they both what deserve better be. than, than Jonathan fucking Gannon. <laughs> uh, all right, let's stick in the NFC East and we'll talk about the other crazy drunk game. Um, the commanders by the skin of their teeth and the hairs on their chinny chin chin find a way to win against the Broncos. Um, interesting game here. I, I thought Russ looked a lot better actually in this game, yeah. but he Ball did too. the classic. Yeah. Uh, he did the classic Russ thing, which he made a couple of mistakes. Um, some kind of boneheaded stuff, which is what we saw his last couple of years in Seattle. And obviously what we saw a lot of last year. And I think ultimately that's what cost them in the second half. Uh, the commander's defense played really well. The pass rush played really, really well for the commanders. Uh, the secondary, you know, I was watching this game with a bunch of commanders fans and they're like, that's man, you know, Emmanuel Forbes. That was not an interception. How on earth that got, that I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand that whatsoever. <laughs> that wasn't even um, close to possession. Was it called an interception on the field or was it called incomplete on the field? It was called an interception on the field. Yes, they, and that's relatively why. I, I don't, I don't know how they made that call. Um, but the officiating wasn't great in this game. Um, but I did think they made the correct call in the end. Uh, obviously, I mean, look, the hail mary, being at a bar with Commanders fans, uh, and like a couple of diehard Commanders fans, one of which like works for the team, uh, and worked for uh, Dan Snyder and and uh tanya snyder and like knows them personally and and not as like friends but like in a work context um i was really like i i thought that that whole moment with the deep ball the catch the tip up the second that ball got tipped up i went oh shit and like what an unbelievable ending um i was really Could hoping been. for overtime just <laughs> Just for the drama, you know, like I just for the drama, I just wanted to see the overtime. I couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was the funniest shit in the world. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, the Broncos looked a little bit better. I'll tell you what, though. And this is the thing I said to Vito going into the season. Like, I don't think this Broncos defense is as good as they were a year ago. I I think losing their defensive coordinator, I I don't see a ton of talent on the defensive line. I know Pat Sertan is amazing. I know Justin Simmons are amazing. Pat Sertan had a rough day. Like he got cooked up a little bit by Terry McLaurin. Um, and also the touchdown pass McLaurin. to Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Um, but for the commanders, the touchdown pass by Sam Howell to Terry McLaurin was, I thought, the most impressive th- throw I've seen all football season. I know yeah, we only, was a pro it's only moment. two weeks. I get it. Yeah. That throw that was his arrival. <laughs> in between three guys, there was one two foot by two foot window that ball could go. And a really important moment of the game, too. Like that was the, that was the game that the touchdown pass that tied it in this game. Um, that was an awesome, awesome fucking throw from Sam Howell. So if you're a commanders fan, I know the hell Mary scares you at the end, but I think you found something when it comes to um, when it comes to Sam Howell, I think the receivers are pretty good. I think they can run the ball, the offensive line, not great, but not terrible. Um, I think they're going to struggle when they go up against teams with really good, edge guys and really good interior defensive lines, but good enough to win some games. The commanders are frisky, man. They're going to, they're going to fuck around and they're going to try to, to try to win some football games this year. Yeah. Yeah. I was really impressed with their, with their running game, especially against what is supposed to be a pretty good defense uh, in, in the Denver Broncos well above average. And uh, they, the job Brian uh, Johnson did 
or Brian Robinson rather was was electric. Um, I, I think he had a really good day on the ground, 18 carries, 87 yards, and then he gets involved in the passing game too with 47 uh, as well, or 40, uh, 44 as well, 42. Can't read. Um, but you know, <laughs> the, the idea that like that they're going to lay down and like make Sam Howell make mistakes and throw the ball. I don't think so, man. Like, like they were able to move the ball against a, a really good defense all game long, especially in the second half. And uh, if, if you have the ability to run the ball, even if your offensive line is me- mediocre to good, which I think it is for Washington and you're able to move the ball on the ground, that's going to keep you in a lot of games, especially with a rookie quarterback. It's going to keep you in a lot of games with as good as that defense is. Um, so, I, I'd be excited about it if I were a, a Commanders fan coming away from this because, uh, look at the end of the day, that's two two bad luck games for uh, for Denver that uh, that they they should definitely have split. Uh, uh, I think uh, over the first two weeks, but and I think they're a better team than their record indicates. But man, that that effort by the uh, top to bottom from the uh, from the Commanders was uh, was really well executed. Yeah. Um, and look, Russell Wilson, a week, week one, he was in the top five in passer rating week two, 26th out of 29, you know, like he looked more like Russ from last year than he did, you know, like prime Russ. I, I think it's going to be up and down. And I think, and this is what I said to Vito, you know, last week too, I think it'll look better than it did last year, which is, you know, pretty easy to do considering how, you know, it's not a super high bar. You know, compared comparing him to last year, but I still don't think it's good enough to turn this team into a playoff team. I I just don't. I don't see it. The defense is definitely not as good as it was a year ago. Um, There are moments that look good, like Marvin Mims obviously catches the deep ball for the touchdown. Russ is always going to have the deep ball. Like as long as he's playing, the deep ball is going to be good for him. Cortland Sutton doesn't get separation. Jerry Judy had a pretty you know mediocre day. Um, I mean, the deep ball was hitting for us, and that was about it. Uh, The running game. You know, Russ was your leading well, runner. Six carries for yeah, 56 yards. That's not going to do they, it. They they started off great. Like, Javante had four or five good carries in, in the first drive or two of the game, and then they ended up scoring a touchdown on a running play, which was not Javante. Thanks a lot, Broncos. Uh, I don't <laughs> have Javante on my fantasy team or anything. Um, but then they just abandoned it. Like, they didn't run the ball. It was like, all right, we're going to let Russ cook. This is the same sort of shit we talked about with in Seattle. They were able to run the ball effectively in the first few series, and then all of a sudden, gone. Like, Russ is throwing the ball all over creation, which is great when it works. But, yeah. you know, if you're going to completely abandon the run, that's that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, 18 of 32 for 308 yards and three touchdowns where – he had a 60-yard bomb to Marvin Mims and then the 50-yard touchdown pass at the end. Um, you know, you take away those two plays and Russ is sitting there with like 180 yards passing, you know, and 18 of 32. Uh, seven sacks is going to hurt him too, and part of that's Russ holding on to the ball too long and Russ trying to do too much. Part of that, and this is something I said preseason too about the Broncos, their offensive line is not good. It's just not good. Um, and Russ – if he's feeling pressure is going to revert back to the rust that we saw last year. And he's going to make mistakes. Uh, he, I, I think this team's going to be competitive. I think they're going to be there enough to try to, you know, make, make games more competitive than people want them to be than, than, you know, Broncos fans want them to be or whoever they're playing want them to be. But I don't think it's going to be much more than that. Um, I think the commanders were the better team. And despite the fact that look at one point in this game, the Broncos were up 21 to three, 
right? And slowly but surely, the Commanders found a way to get back in this game, and uh, and they won it. They won it when they needed to. So shout out to the Commanders. Uh, good win for them, and shout out to my my, my homie Rachel. Uh, I know she was uh, she was on one last night and watching that was was something. Uh, Jets Cowboys. Uh, Jets Cowboys. Uh, Zach Wilson's bad at football. The Micah Parsons is good at football, and that's basically the story of this game. I'll tell you what, though, there were a handful of times when that game got thrown onto uh, red zone where Zach Wilson made some throws where I was like, you know what? Not bad. There was one to Garrett Wilson. I can't remember if it went for a touchdown. I don't think it was the touchdown because that was just on a slant play where he, he yapped it up. Um, but I there was another pass he had to Garrett Wilson that was through a, a window about the size of a, of a quarter that he snuck in there. Um, and again, part of that is the aggressiveness of the uh, the Cowboys secondary where they're going to jump those balls and try to intercept them every time. Um, but it was a great throw. Um, you know, handful of moments to take away from uh, good, dis- better decision making, I think, uh, for Zach Wilson, uh, if you're a Jets fan. Um, but I mean, you just ran into a really good defense. Um, yeah. And I think, look, the, the, the defense for the Jets played about as good as you could against a team that has a really good offensive line in the Cowboys, uh, who's able to run the ball like, like the Cowboys did. And then, you know, I mean, if CD Lamb's going to cook like that on sauce Gardner or the likes of sauce Gardner, then <laughs> watch out. Like, and there's just nothing you can do. I mean, at this point, yeah. like, yeah, you had the big Monday night win. everyone's jacked up about that, but how do you, how do you turn around? And now knowing you got Zach That's Wilson, right. I we mean, still it's don't just, have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like in a Aaron Rodgers in this game, like I I'll tell you what, like the, as unbeatable as the defense for the Cowboys looked in week one, I didn't think they looked unbeatable in week two. And that was with Zach Wilson and right in Brees Hall. And, you know, like I, I it's, again, I think the Cowboys are very, very good. I think Dak played a really, really solid game yesterday. Um, I'm sure, where did he finish up in terms of ranks? yesterday it should have been pretty high but now that i'm looking at it he's actually not ranked hey he's ranked 18th in terms of his passing grade um mm. yesterday so uh you would expect to have seen a little bit more but again like th- this game felt like it was in hand for a long time uh, 12 of 27 three interceptions i i think the, the opponents that the cowboys have played and the way that that first game went like are giving this perception that the cowboys are absolute world beaters in reality, I don't think the gap between them and Kansas City or San Francisco or Philly or any of the other, you know, Buffalo, any of those other top teams, I don't think it's that big. I, I really don't. Um, but, you know, credit where credit's due. Like, Dak played a really efficient game. Tony Pollard ran the ball really, really well. Um, CeeDee Lamb had a, a monster day, 11 catches, 143 yards going up against Sauce Gardner. Uh, but there's only so much you can do when you're the Jets and you realize like the other half of our team just can't is not going to be able to do anything in this game. You know, yeah. um, not to say that they quit or anything. I'm not accusing them of that, but it's just not it's not going to be enough. So, um, yeah, Cowboys are good. Cowboys are good as much as I you know hate to say it. Uh, last game. And then we got one little a uh, little bit of house uh, cleaning or uh, house cleaning. Um, just some some general, uh, you know, cleanup stuff. I'm going to add Dolphins Patriots fun Sunday night game. Um, and that's why I said at the top of the pod, the Patriots defense is really, really good, right? Uh, they came out, they made life hard on Tua. And what's impressive about this is Tua still is the number one rated passer in the NFL. Um, in this game, he was ninth this week, 
uh, and that's going up against a really, really good defense. Um, still played really, really well. 21 to 30, uh, 249 yards. The yards per attempt for Tua, he's still leading the league through two weeks. Um, Tua, again, as long as he's staying healthy, they look good. The big breakout run by Raheem Mostert was, you know, big for them. Uh, I, I think what you, we need to see the Dolphins continue this stretch. I thought the defense looked a little bit better for, uh, you know, Miami in this game. The first three quarters, the Miami defense was was stout. I mean, they were un, unbeatable through the first three quarters. Uh, the, the Patriots couldn't move the ball. Um, and and Mac Jones, you know, I, I, I'm, tr- I'm struggling to find because he's like Kirk Cousins adjacent, like, but he's not – Good enough yeah. to be Kirk Cousins, like I don't know. I just I don't see I don't see a ton uh, out of Mac Jones that gives me a ton of faith that you know the Patriots are going to be a, a really good team. But what I will say is like, what a hard two first games to play Philly and Miami back to back, and you get a Sunday night game. That's a really really hard hard start to the season. And the Patriots could have won both of those games. Um, which is saying something. And I think, I think the Patriots defensively are going to be really fucking hard team to play this year. I think they're going to win some games. I think if if you were to pick, if you were to rank like the teams that are zero and two, I think the Patriots are the best ones. And I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, Well, Bengals, I think would be. Yeah, I guess that's true. The Bengals (laughs) are zero and two. That's fair. That's fair. Well, based off of what we've seen so far this year, the Patriots look like the best zero and two team. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. Cincinnati's definitely a better team. You're right about Mac Jones, and this is the the effect you get with Bill O'Brien coming back is that they're going to throw the shit out of the ball when we know that the best player on the field on offense, at least, is their running back. Uh, And granted, he got 15 touches, but 50 yards isn't going to cut it against the team who was an absolute sieve against the run last year in Miami, but is getting better uh, over the past two weeks. I think you're still had opportunities to run the ball when uh when you're out there trying to make mac jones make plays which is fine he's gonna have to learn how to do it at some point if you want him to be uh as successful a quarterback as uh, this new england offense will allow especially in that division um but that that's just not gonna i think what what did he he have like 50 pass attempts against the eagles and 42 here against the uh against the uh uh, against the Dolphins defense like that seems fairly high for a quarterback who we're trying to like help take the next step um, rather than uh, a- allowing the run game to open that up for you which um, has been part of the Patriots MO over the past few years so rocking a hard place I think on offense uh, especially bringing back Bill O'Brien there but uh, on defense they looked really good and I think you're right that that's what's going to keep them in a lot of uh, of games Christian uh Christian Gonzalez looks unbelievably good through yeah. two games yeah. as a rookie. Um, like, I mean, just really going up against uh, two of the uh, best wide receiving rooms yeah. in the NFL. I mean, Tyreek, <laughs> Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown. Like, it didn't. It hasn't mattered who he's lined up against. He's he's just played really, really good football. Yeah, yeah, I, and wow. And I was down on him. The two guys that I was most down on in the draft, him and Zay Flowers, are are. Surprising a lot of people in the through the first two weeks. So uh good <laughs> Fade for Scotty, I mean, apparently. That's right. Yeah. Uh this defense is is gonna keep them in a lot of games, I think, down the stretch too, especially as they get better yeah. and better. But uh we'll see. I mean, they gotta lean on that running game a little bit more. 
Well, and, and credit to Miami talking about running games. Like everyone's going to talk about Tua and the wide receivers and stuff. But like Mike McDaniel, like he got he cut his teeth coming up with run scheme. You know, that's what he did. That was so special in San Francisco. And so what part of what makes this Miami team so dangerous offensively is like they're going to be really good throwing the football. We know that because of the talent that they have, the wide receiver position. When they can come up and hang 145 yards on the ground against the Patriots and Raheem Moster can, you know, he he still has that breakaway speed. We saw it last night. I mean, 43-yard touchdown run, 18 carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the question is, when does Raheem Moster get hurt? Because that's going to happen. And if that happens, what are, you know, what are they going to look like? Imagine if they had actually figured out a way to get Jonathan Taylor, right? How how ridiculous this team would look. Or Dalvin. Um, <laughs> Or, yeah, or Dalvin even, right, who was close to going to Miami, who I bet you he regrets that decision now with everything that happened with Rodgers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Miami is going to consistently be a really good team, and they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh, and the defense looked better. They almost gave it up there at the end, but, you know, they held on and did what they had to do, uh, and they won the game. So, shout out to them. Uh, a couple of things that broke while we were here, uh, while we were recording. Uh, Saquon expected to miss three weeks with his ankle injury. Not a high ankle sprain. That's good news for the Giants fans of the world. It is. It is. It's good to make sure that, you know, Saquon's just fun to watch. So, I, you know, yeah, as a I football fan, you know, we want to see Saquon on the field. Uh, and then the other big news of the day was Mahomes restructured his deal uh, that now makes him the highest paid player in the NFL on his average annual value. Um, so the an average annual value he restructured. So basically for the next um, it's a little bit weird and complicated, uh, but basically between 2023 and 2026, so three, four, five, the next four seasons, um, Mahomes was now guaranteed $210 million, uh, which makes him the highest paid player uh, in the NFL and in NFL history. Um, you know, he signed that 10-year $450 million extension in 2020. Um, no one has, has topped that in terms of overall value in a contract, but Lamar, Jalen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, all those guys, uh, they were getting paid on a um, average, you know, per year higher than uh, Mahomes was. So he gets more guaranteed money, uh, which again, look, that's, it's Patrick Mahomes. You give him whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, and I'm sure he's making a shitload of money based off of his endorsements and state farms, paying him a million fucking dollars and all this stuff. So uh, Mahomes was doing fine financially before, but now he's, uh, he's, he's definitely feeling a little bit better now. So uh, shout out to uh, shout out to them and shout out to uh, Kansas city, getting that locked up again. There's, there's nothing you won't do to have Patrick Mahomes be your quarterback. Uh, and you want them, you want that man to be happy and paid uh, at all costs. So a lot of um, that being said for that, bud. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, with that being said, thank you to everyone for listening. We uh, fun pod, Scotty, safe travels, send lots of pictures, uh, get some gelato and some fresh, you know, pasta and pizza and bada gabagool and all that good fun stuff. Uh, but have fun, seriously. It's going to be an amazing trip. We'll miss you here, but um, you're, you're going to have a good time and uh, and try, you know, try not to watch too much football while you're there. All right. Like I said, okay. football will be here when you get back. I hope. You hope. All right. Uh, well, for me and Scotty and Vito, who is gallivanting around around Paris right now, thank you guys for listening. Ciao. We'll be back later in the week. Ciao. Uh, and everyone have a wonderful week. Uh, I don't. It'll likely just be me for picks on uh, Friday's pod. I'll get them in for you. Guest. So you can. Yeah. 
yeah, we're going to make sure Scott and Vito uh, send their picks. Oh, update on that. Uh, Scott and I both went two and one on our lock, so we are now tied at three and three. And Vito didn't send us his picks. So <laughs> week two, we said we DMP. said we were only picking three games <laughs> for the for the yeah for the competition, and uh, well, that didn't quite happen. So uh, we'll we'll make sure that uh, you know I hammer Vito on that a little bit better moving forward. But uh, for the boys, I'm Jeff. We love you guys. We'll talk to you guys later on in the week. And as always, take it easy, everybody.